Welcome to Walking Backwards. I'm Brad Gramet. This week's guest is Matt Petrosky. He is a Steadicam operator and someone I hadn't seen in a very long time. And we talk about how we met, which is kind of a fun story. And uh, also about a bunch of the projects he's been doing. He's been doing some big stuff. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, thank you to Tiffin. I just went to NAB. They were nice enough to ask me if I'd do some conversations on their stage at their booth. And I said yes, and I did them, and they were great and super fun. And I recorded them, and I'm hoping to be able to release them. I have to really look into the audio quality because it was a bit noisy. So anyway, we'll see what happens. Um, but thank you to Tiffin. And a lot of people um, were checking the Volt out, and uh, as was I. And um, I'm really coming around on it. I really am. <laughs> so, um, And I saw the M2, which was really cool. Um, yeah, so thank you, Tiff and Steadicam. I really do appreciate your support. I also appreciate the support of Walter Clausen, who are lovely people. I was hoping to see at NAB, and they didn't go this year. I guess they haven't gone in a long time, which I didn't know because I haven't gone in a long time. But uh, anyway, I, I messaged Shannon and said, hey, are you going? And she said, no. But they'll be at Cinegear, which is always good, and uh, we'll have a fun time there. Um, as a matter of fact, I just remembered Matt and I spoke a bunch about the iBaird um, on this episode. So, um, yeah, check it out. It's kind of kind of fun. Um, if you'd like to email me, you can do so at walkingbackwardspodcast at gmail.com. You can check me out on Instagram at onegiantrobot. You can check me out on Patreon at patreon.com slash walkingbackwards. And you can just uh, check me out anywhere else, I guess. Look me up. I'm on other stuff, too. I don't know. Anyway, that's enough of me blabbing. Uh, check out Matt's podcast. It was a lot of fun. Enjoy. I'm sitting here in front of Matt Petrosky. Pronouncing that right? Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, Steadicam extraordinaire. Do you remember where we met the first time? I think the first time we met was... Uh, for that commercial or whatever promo that was on a beach, which I think was probably one of the hardest days for both of us, just running backwards in the sand, dueling steady cams, low mode. Um, it was brutal. It was it was brutal, and it was one of those weird things too, where I all of a sudden you're on set and another steady cam operator shows up, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, well, that was super weird because I knew I knew of you. I knew. I didn't know you specifically were going to be there. Right. I knew I was the second Steadicam. They called me the night before, decided not to call anyone in the camera department and let them know. So I showed up and I'm like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm Steadicam. They're like, no, you're not. He is. And I'm like, uh, no, they, I'm the second guy. And they're like, the what? <laughs> we have one camera body. Right. I'm like, okay, well, then it was well. like a Yeah, I think it was like a, a red and a phantom, both running high speed and all day. I had the red. You had the phantom. Backwards you in had the, the super post, right? Yeah. And it was one of the few times I've actually used the super post. And yeah, it was it was exhausting and amazing. But it uh, there's a, it's preserved for all of history. It's in Jerry's book um, as an example. Of, you know, I, you I know I've never a, seen it. It's a. I should have brought. I don't, I don't have it here with me now, but yeah, it's, I'm going to talk to Jerry. It's definitely. In Vegas, no, I mean, so. I can send you the photo of it, but it's. Well, uh, I sent you the photo. I think you texted oh, me and were right. like, "Can you send me a couple that's, photos?" Yeah, that's right. From that, yeah, <laughs> I think the assistant took a bunch of photos or something. Yeah, those poor guys trudging around endlessly oh. back and forth. <laughs> yeah, uh, those two 
twins, redheaded, like little redheaded kids, right? Mm-hmm. And they put fake hair on their chest. Yeah, it was like a Hasselhoff like promo something. <laughs> it was a Hasselhoff reality show promo, right? So the commercial. Did you ever watch it? The promo. I know. I don't know if I ever saw it. I don't remember. It's on YouTube. <laughs> it's got the. It's got the. The the uh, whatever the music from that show he did with the red bathing suit. Oh, no, Baywatch. It's got yeah. the Baywatch music, and then the kids running down the street in slow mo. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I mean, you know, it's uh, for one yeah. day. It's 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 they did a good job. Yeah, it's sort of amazing how fast even a toddler can run when you're trying to go backwards in the sand <laughs> for the for the eighth hour. I remember we were there at Paradise Cove. Yeah, and it was sun up to sundown. Exactly, it was like right. every. Like last scintilla of light, as they tend to be. <laughs> we overshot. I remember, like, what you see. Once you see it, you'll see, like, you know, a lot of our stuff's in it. But oh, yeah. it's, I mean, it's a thirty-second spot. <laughs> <laughs> we shot like eight hours of this kid running on the beach, and then there was only like two other. There was like a shot on the beach, and then there were like a couple of shots of like umbrellas or something, right? Like, that's well, it's all. funny too. You figure, you know, bringing in two operators because they want to be able to like rotate out or something, you know, because it's going to be all day in the sand and like, no, they just want uh, <laughs> another like, angle, two angles time. at different speeds or something, you know. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you had really high speed. I think I was, was, I think they had me doing sixty or ninety or something. It was the a Phantom tethered with a Ethernet cable. Or I something remember fun. you were tethered. Yeah, yeah, you had it. Although the camera's light, the camera's lighter, and the superposed. You know, it's like a, it acts like a giant set of antlers almost or whatever. So it sort of stays put once you like put it out there, but you're still running with the weight of it. I mean, yeah, it doesn't, it's still all day. Yeah. Well, anyway, that was a fun job, but I remember sitting with you at lunch, (laughs) like we were talking rates a little like, Hey, what? And I think we got like the same amount of money. So I think we both pretty max, pretty much maxed them out. (laughs) (laughs) Which is good, you know? I mean, no, you should good. get as it's much the, as you deserve. It's the the community and, and all that is a huge part of what I love about Steadicam. And, I mean, I, I think, you know, it all started with Garrett and continued on. I mean, it's very much a an oral tradition that's passed on through workshops and, and little operator meetups and things. And sure. People calling each other on the phone. I mean, I've vlogged. God, hundreds, maybe even thousand hours, like on the phone with you know mentors and mentees and right. friends and coworkers and people just trying to figure things out or you know how some something with gear, something with a shot, technically something with rates, something with you know, right whatever. And Have you not, ever done a deal with this studio or something? Sorry, I just wanted to push that oh, a little yeah. closer. You're fine. I just, okay. <laughs> um, I just don't want to. I don't want to be so much louder than you all. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Um, that's true and for a long time we've talked about this before on the show like there's there was so much of a necessity to that like when your gear would break all the time Mm -hmm. and there's less necessity now but it's nice not everyone but a lot of people really keep it up yeah they keep doing it no and i think it's i mean like steady cam on set you're i mean you're a bit of an island like it's a Mm -hmm. sort of you know this kind of a voodoo art and if you know once you get to a certain point like it's been a bit of a long road and stuff and so you know i mean you're kind of the only person there you're the, you're the resident expert so to speak and so having you know a sounding board or a friend another operator or whatever to bounce stuff off of is is always great I, yeah yeah and it's just rare you get two steady cam operators on on a set together so that's you know it happened to me a couple of weeks ago me too actually. for the second time ever <laughs> yeah, it's like i've done maybe it's happened to me maybe 
three or four times. Oh, okay. You know, but it's rare. I mean, like that's in whatever twenty some years. And yeah, I mean, there's double up stuff, but like actually on the like I did a right. commercial and and me and Jason Nelson. Oh, awesome. Um, this was a little different. I guess Jason got the last minute call, but <laughs> right. But um, uh, not that it matters. He's he's great. Yeah. What a nice guy. I'd never met him before. Yeah, he's super nice. Um, super talented. He's super talented. Um, and he was actually I tried to get him in here. I will eventually, but um, he was he had just gotten back into town and was just leaving town. So I think he's off to Boston for a while. By the way, you just uh, you had a little sip there. Thanks for bringing tequila. <laughs> this is really good. It's fun. I um, yeah, I like uh, a little sip in tequila. It's tequila in uh, aged in whiskey barrels. Yeah, it's got a little little personality. It's mm-hmm. nice. It really does. It is good. Um, hopefully, we don't drink too much of it. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, that was a fun that was a fun way to meet another operator yeah <laughs> kind of but um but now i mean th- like i'm still doing like commercials and promos you're doing the you're doing the big shows i was looking at your imdb man <laughs> trying to well the most the most recent credit i saw was jungle book jungle second cruise. unit oh jungle cruise sorry i wrote i wrote down the wrong thing um jungle cruise but you did second unit on that yeah huh? the second unit stuff in uh in atlanta they had a second unit in Kauai also but um Oh, when they okay. came back to Atlanta, they sort of recruited up and um, was able to jump on that. Oh, so did they shoot in? They shot most of it in Kauai. Main oh, they and, did. Main okay. And second unit, and then the, they traveled to Atlanta for a lot of stage work. But and actually, they they recreated a bunch of jungle stuff. It was pretty amazing. These the greens on it were incredible. I mean, really? Yeah, these sets. I mean, stuff they had spent literally months dressing, like hand dressing vines and orchids. And, oh my god! I mean, it's just incredible. Um, How long was that second unit for you? <laughs> that was one of those. I it, it's kind of awesome. I went in and met with the the uh, the director DP of that unit was Alexander Witt, and went in and had an interview with him, and got a call from the producer driving home, and we're talking, and he said, "I guess I should we should talk about Steadicam stuff." Although I don't really think there's going to be any of this or that, but he's like, I, "We ought to just have this conversation, or whatever." And um, and so we did. We just had a chat about it, and kind of was like, "Yeah, okay, you know, you know, whatever." Kind of um, made a yeah, pencil, I mean, you just like, the deal yeah, in. but you know, not expecting whatever. And then we, you know, show up first thing on, uh, on Monday and we're all having a, like a second unit meeting in the catering trailer. And I'm like, uh, Matt, so do you have your steady cam rig with you? <laughs> like, I mean, it's not in my pocket or my truck, but it's, it's here yeah. uh, in Atlanta. We could have it on our truck in a few hours probably. And, uh, and they're like, yeah, you should liaise with the transpo captain here and uh, <laughs> make that happen. <laughs> Day one. So, At least it wasn't first up. Um, no, but, and I mean, it was, so I think it was originally, it was only supposed to be like three weeks and it ended up going on for, I want to say like, God, like eight weeks or something. Um, but wow. I wasn't able to stay on for all of that. I actually had to leave. I had a prior commitment that um, ended up, uh, I was going on to, uh, uh, the the additional photography for Avengers Endgame. Yeah, I saw that on there too. That's cool. So, How long was that? That I feel like that shot that portion shot for seven weeks, which sounds like a long time. When I mean, worked on indie movies that were done in four weeks, <laughs> but relative to the production, I mean, they've been those that family's been together yeah. for years. I yeah, mean, it's like years literally <laughs> is it the same people doing a lot of them a lot of them yeah and it's jeff haley you know who's over there who right. was like the a camera steady cam star and and uh 
bunch of other great guys, Chris Duskin and, and, uh, actually I'm hopefully most likely going to have Jeff in very soon. Oh, he's, yeah. I mean, Jeff's great. He's amazing. Just yeah. an, an awesome, an awesome guy and incredible operator and talent. And yeah, yeah, he's, he's great. Actually, I have a neat story about meeting him. Uh, he was, he's like, um, you know, he directs and he's, he's working on sort of segueing into that transition, I think. Um, but I was doing a show in town and, I found out, um, I found out that, that Jeff Haley was going to be the director on it, and I was like super nervous. Yeah. And actually, I was also going, and I was kind of at the time I was doing Double Up Days, I think on Grey's Anatomy or something. Okay. And someone on there was friends with him. Oh, uh, this was in L.A. This is in L.A. Yeah. Right. And uh, was this his feature? No, this was oh. a TV show. Okay. Um, and it was. Uh, it was the show Men of a Certain Age. It was okay. like Scott Bakula and Andre Brower and Ray Romano. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, really good show. Like, like the first season of it. And, and I would just go in to do like like kind of they day play steady as like a C camera or whatever. And it was pretty yeah. fun. David Boyd shot some of it. And One of my favorites. Yeah, I know. He's, he's I think anyone who knows him loves him. Like he's yeah. incredible. And uh, I think was, he directed a bunch too. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And um so yeah, so I found out Jeff was going to be on it, and of course, you know, Jeff's amazing steady camera operator. I was totally like nervous about it. I just like you know, going to go in and there's this like big time <laughs> operator I'm supposed to be going for. And so the right um, this this friend who this mutual friend we had on Grace uh, sent him like a message just to kind of make an introduction or something. And he Jeff you know was real nice but super busy and kind of whatever. And so I showed up on the day you know to do the steady thing, and it was a. Uh, a hike up a hill like in the Hollywood Hills kind of I mean not nothing crazy like more like a fire road but sort of like okay, a rocky yeah, yeah. not a super well maintained one mm. and um, it was it's all uphill backwards but they had gotten a grip tricks and I was like okay someone was planning like that Jeff was a was good planning. you know that was a good call so you know we get you know Garfield Mount out and we're going to do like hard mount on that and it just sort of starts snowballing into like oh well let's throw the B camera on their handheld or whatever and let's uh, then you know, then the boom guy wants to jump on, and then the focus pullers are like left out, and they want to be. So it looks like this. Everybody wants like, to ride. You know, like a refugee boat by the end of it. And well, I think we did a couple runs up, and basically just burned it out. No. And had this huge like page count scene to do, and they're like, kind of everyone looks, and they're like, "What do we do?" And they kind of looked at me, and I was like, "I guess I'm walking, <laughs> walking backwards right. up a hill," Oof. and. Uh, so as you, as you do and so then they just put the other two cameras like kind of sniping like hidden behind rocks or bushes along the route and right luckily the scene was the guys were um supposed to be like out of shape and winded and uh, you know that was what they were playing up and so it wasn't like that's great you know yeah, yeah. young athletes running yeah, at the camera like, but it was a long you know it was a long it was a long day and and you know, as it started to go on, I mean, you're like, you know, tripping over roots and rocks and all sorts of things and going along and, yeah. you know, we go in for coverage so you get on a much, you know, the longer and the lenses and stuff. And, uh, I just kind of went over to Jeff and I said, Jeff, like, I'm sorry, like some of this stuff's a little messy or this and whatever. And he just kind of looked at me. He's like, Matt, he's like, all this, he's like, this stuff is great. He's like, I promise you there are some problems I'm having and it has nothing to do with camera. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what? it's just all That's the weight a- of like production and things and happening, you know, and daylight yeah. and. <laughs> and that's such a great I've had a director say that to me before and it's such a it's such a nice thing to get from them. Yeah. Because 
because they're they just put you at ease and they're like look even if you're they're essentially saying even if there's a bobble or two it's fine well and he gets it because he's been there and, well and he's and, been there and yeah. then it was great and it was this huge weight lifted for me and i feel like there almost may have been a discernible like improvement in like my energy and whatever and then, probably attitude and then yeah. we had you know we shot there for hours and then we had a company move to like a uh, a car dealership or whatever and we were shooting like a kind of a, like a video within the thing you know like okay, it's yeah. a commercial within the show or something like that and it was very sort of free form and running around like crazy steady this and that and it was super fun and Jeff was like a, like a great collaborator and really that's just nice. like encouraging and awesome and we kind of hit it off and that's really cool yeah it was, it, was, it was a good experience it was a nice way to meet him and another thing like again like how often you know usually we're meeting at like some social functions or right you know through a friend of a friend or something yeah over drinks yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bunch of sailors <laughs> no it's it's true it's true but um but we were talking about those big movies like because you've done your share of small movies yeah i kind of came up through indie stuff um well what's just like is in your mind is there a giant difference between in big movies and small movies or like what are the big things that stand out that are different i mean yeah sort of yes and no it's kind of a a weird i mean yes in the the difference in like just the the resources and the level of like infrastructure and stuff but it's Mm -hmm. it's it's often just a a much larger sort of like scaled up you know version of what you do like a like a well-run smaller budget movie you know has a lot more in common with a well-run big budget movie than like a well-run small budget movie and a poorly run big budget movie or like vice versa or whatever it's it's, right um a a lot of it just has to do with i think just the the nature of the shape of the you know the production or whatever which is that you know everyone's kind of unique right Um, you know but there's i guess i guess there's sort of like a i don't know what you want to call it like a you know, there's a bit of like a, a pressure and etiquette or things that, you know, ha- can happen in, uh, you know, in different settings. I remember one of the first um, bigger things I got an opportunity to do was, and it wasn't study cam. It was just, I just transitioned from like assisting to operating and um, they were doing uh, reshoots or additional photography for Nacho Libre. And oh, yeah. I think it was a Paramount movie, but we were shooting on the universal back lot and they had taken over the whole like Mexico town or whatever. And were like i mean they wanted these they the studio wanted this to shoot and so they were spending like a million dollars a day or something you know and a jack blackout and everything and right um and one of the first things is we're setting up this wide shot and we're like high up on a balcony or something this and that and this like transpo captain comes over to me and just sort of says hey, like where do you want this dirt and i was like what dirt like what are you talking about and he points and there's like you know a line of like three or four like giant dump trucks full of dirt that they want to put down on these you know the the paved roads and cobblestone roads to make <laughs> to it look like the village right. or whatever right, right, right. and it's one of those like it's the like just sort of perfectly defines like the kind of the awareness and confidence you have to have just in operating in general where you need to sort of understand what the shot is and make it give a clear concise answer and make a decision and yeah you know i knew what the shot was because the director and dp were happy with what was set and so i said well we're going to see from here to here so we need to go this street this street and if you can cover this here that'd be great and then we're not seeing this right now but i'm you know we're probably going to be down there later so if you got extra that'll be there he's like okay i mean this guy literally he'd probably been in you know 399 longer than I've been alive right. like let alone on a set <laughs> done <laughs> <Yeah>. it all before <laughs> right 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 you know but it's um you know it's a team sport and they just you just got to play your part so yeah 
Yeah, um, yeah. that's cool. Um, yeah, Nacho Libre. <laughs> <laughs> it was super fun, and Jared Hess is uh, a sweetheart and amazing and really hilarious. And have you worked with him since? Yeah, we. I um I did this. Uh, what was the working title was Loomis Fargo? I think it's called Armored Car or something or what the what was it? Oh, uh, Masterminds is what it's now. The, oh, the yeah. release title with like yeah, yeah. Uh, Zach Galifianakis and Owen Wilson. I was going to mention that because that had um, it was like Kristen Wiig and who else? Oh, um, that other star from SNL, uh, Kate McKinnon. Yeah, Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, great cast. Yeah, I didn't great, see the movie. Yeah, it was a, it's a great cast, and it was a it was a lot of fun, and it was one of the like. We were in prep and I was in the production office and they were like, oh, you know, Jared was down the hall or something. And I remember actually I was in this, this ab- abandoned like corner office that no one was using. And I was on the phone trying to sort something out. I think with like American Express or something, and uh-huh. I some weird thing, billing, whatever, or something. And, and I see him like Jared, like who's a tall guy and, like, you know, just quite a personality, like kind of tra- trucking down the hall. And he starts like making his way like he's going into the like coming to the office. I was like, oh, God, am I like in his office? And I didn't realize I was like, no, there's like no furniture in here. This right, is, like, right, 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 right. Whatever. And he just like walks into the office. He's like, hey, Matt, good to see you. And runs up and like gives me a giant hug. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I was like, awesome. Like, there you go. Nice. So <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very cool. So um how was that? That's that's um that was Atlanta too? No, that was Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, it was? Yeah. Oh, that's a nice place to yeah. shoot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean some of the locations kind of get, you know, they're a little bit of a drive and stuff, but it's beautiful there in the Blue Ridge Mountains. So yeah. You know, it's like I don't know. I don't mind actually not only don't not mind, but I really like enjoy and kind of thrive in the like a bit of the outdoor adventure environment. I think it's one of the great things about like what we get an opportunity to do and even like the super early you know, sunrise calls. We were driving north to like Palmdale, Lancaster, or something. Like you'd never be on the road at four thirty in the morning otherwise to right. see the spectacular sunrise coming over. Yeah, you know, these, it is pretty these, great. Like, California mountain ranges, and it's it's you know, any any time you're working out, like you know, in a place like that, where you're in the you know Blue Ridge Mountains or you're in Hawaii or something. I mean, if you know, if you're, I don't know, it always just feels really good to be in nature and kind of a part of that, and then sure. also. I th- you know I I like it when we're using that and you see it on camera and it's on the screen and it's mm-hmm. in, and it's a part of the story and in the story and a backdrop for the story it's like it's right. it just has it gives it a lot of like depth and texture um you know in a way that yeah I don't know I just think it pays dividends and so that to me is exciting and it's worth the extra effort whether it's a little like longer drive or less sleep or up a, up yeah. a hill or something you know it's I think you've done more of those than I have I mean I did do a movie in Dupont State Forest which is like 40, 40 minutes from Asheville. Yeah. Um, and that was in the forest every day. We literally yeah. shot every day except for one in that forest. Yeah. So we're up and down the hills, down the pass. There's wa- there, there are a bunch of waterfalls there. Did you go there while you were there? It's gorgeous. Um, I don't know if I'm trying to remember. There's been... like a triple, triple waterfall yeah. at one point. Um, anyway, but you've done a lot of, um, you've done a lot of like, movies in different places like like a favorite of mine is mud oh yeah that's one of my favorites too maybe my favorite that was arkansas right that was arkansas louisiana and mississippi mostly arkansas right um and then like the middle of nowhere like we were based out of stuttgart arkansas the Stuttgart. uh, yeah it's the duck hunting capital of the world Uh, and the population at the time was like i think just over nine thousand, and that was the big town we were in I was going to say that so, sounds bigger than I thought it was. So, I mean, some of these towns were, you know, 
a couple hundred people or even some, and then some stuff was just like the middle of nowhere, truly. Right. I mean, some of those locations on the, where we were in the, like us shooting on a sandbar in the middle of the Mississippi and we would, we were staying. So cool. We were staying in Mississippi. You have like a super early wake up and riding in a, you know, for, a, you know, I don't know, a half hour, 40 minutes and following, you know, some, you know, unmarked turn off onto a dirt road. And then you're driving on that for a few miles and then up on the levee for a few miles and then down on the backside of the levee where they right. clear cut a base camp and all of our trucks were there and everything would get hand loaded into rangers and gators and driven down to the river bank and hand loaded onto boats. And then it was 20 minutes up river on the fast boats and right. 45 minutes on the slow boats. And then you were there, you were on an Island in the middle of the Mississippi and it was, ama- it was amazing. <laughs> and and it, shooting 35. Yeah, and 35 so anamorphic. Gear, a little more gear. Yeah, I mean, so obviously like loaders bringing film and changing tent and, yeah. um, you know, mags. And actually, I mean, that was, that was one of the most, that's one of the best filmmaking experiences I've ever had. If, if I could do, like, if every other movie was that, I would, I would for the rest of my career, it would be amazing. It mm. was just such a, such a great project. And it was one of those... Uh, special experiences where, um, you know, the, the director Jeff and I, um, had talked about like, like sort of the approach to it and steady cam and stuff for a long time before it. And, and Adam, the, the DP is a good friend of mine. And, um, you know, we were like, we were all excited about it and there early, everyone involved was excited about it. And you would, you would get out to these remote locations. I remember my friend Dylan, Dylan Conrad. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's he went, amazing. He yeah. went down there with him. Dylan and, and Dave Reagan and, and, uh, um, just a just a really good bunch, and, and yeah. just everybody. I mean, and, and Matthew McConaughey, and even like Sam Shepard, and the the the, oh, the boys Sam that Shepherd. played the kids. Like so they were cool. all. Everyone was super excited about it. And once you got out to this island, it wasn't like you could go back. Right, it was impractical time wise to get back to the mainland. So you kind of brought whatever with you, and like to keep keep them occupied, like the. You know, like uh, Sam and Matthew would like, you know, throw the throw a frisbee or football with the boys and running right. around on like the beach and stuff while we were like, you know, changing the setup around or doing something. And right. And uh, it was just like a, a big. Was a lot of that natural light over there? Yeah, it was. And yeah. it was a big, you know, but but thoughtfully so, like a lot of things planned out. I mean, Adam's sure. um, really just aware of he's he's a total like outdoorsman and an adventurer and, and cool just sort of he sees the light and thinks about things so far ahead of the game. It's almost like he's like, it's like playing out a chess game you've already thought out. So he's like kind of knows where you want to be when, and sort of, you know, helping to steer that. But, but it was also just part of it, I think was that everybody was just excited about the project and believed in it and was happy to be there and worked hard. And it was just such a great like bonding and camaraderie and, you know, and a great, and a great script. And it's one of those special experiences where, like you know what you what was on the page you shot and what was shot was edited and what's edited is the movie and it's mm-hmm. all like it's it's sort of very much what you know if you sit down and read the, the script it's it's there it's on the screen like that's what it is and right and, uh, it's like the purest form of filmmaking it was it was great i mean and our you know production designer richard wright's and a good friend too and did an amazing job of all this stuff and you know, managing to put a boat in a tree and it's yeah. like, it was what one was the, the budget on that? Like 10 million? Or I something? think it was around 10 and it was like a really well spent 10, you know, like you see right. it all on the they screen. Got it. They got everything they could. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, it, it was also and part of what was such a great experience about it. Like the, I don't know what you want to call it, like the, the trust or, or, um, backing we had like from, from, uh, 
like the producers I mean, like Sarah Green who came from like the Terrence Malick world oh um, wow she you know had you know a great deal of trust in what like Jeff and, and Adam you know and everyone was doing and so it was you know you no one was telling you oh we need more coverage of this or we need closer close-ups right. or any like none of that nonsense there wasn't a note was on everything like, yeah right. no, like quite the opposite you know and and uh and so you were sort of you know free to create as, as well you saw that lets it. that lets a that lets a talented director rise to the top it as opposed to you know overwhelming them with oh we need this we need a tighter you know single on this guy and we need right. this to cut this and or just saying how are you going to cut this what are you going to do what if you need to like you let him live and die by his decisions on set yeah and, and you know and i think it you know too like the testament to like jeff and adam really there's or a lot of like we made a they made a bold choice at the time i was honestly a little like nervous about it where we sort of like assigned the the steady cam and, and kind of the grammar of you know the steady cam the way it it moves or has the ability to like surprise you with a move or something and kind of is sort of like ever kind of changing and can meander through stuff and flow mm-hmm. like it's almost a a parallel or sort of a, a metaphor for the way the river moves and and we assigned that uh. basically to the boys and to McConaughey's character Mud and you know it has this you know, we'd have scenes where you know, the steady cam is basically just coverage, but it has, you know, it's steady cam. I mean, I'm always right. like fighting for horizons and fighting for, and it's anamorphic and you want it to look, you know, sure. solid. Um, but, you know, it starts to become kind of the, the, you know, the, you know, the grammar of, of what, you know, how you're seeing those characters and experiencing those characters. And then so all- I, didn't, I didn't pick that up. Sorry to interrupt you. I did not pick that up during the movie. But as soon as you said it, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that makes perfect sense because I can see those shots, like, especially behind him. Oh, yeah. I and remember so, some really well, specific the, Well, and that's images. the thing is, so what's fun with that is that all of a sudden it can surprise you and just like the characters and the, and the story and things and all of a sudden just take you on a journey somewhere. Right. And so it, what would seem like initially just kind of a two shot or some, you know, wide thing would all of a sudden become a close up and then follow a character halfway moving, across right. the island. And right. um, there's a bit of you know, uh, un- uncertainty to it. And, you know, it, it, it being like a little more, um, like just kind of having that, that unpredictable fluidity. No, it puts your own, it puts your own psyche or your own feelings in the same, the way the kids are supposed to feel. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? Like, right. or the way the character, any characters are supposed to feel, you feel and unconsciously. Cause I didn't pick up on that, that you were guys doing that. You were doing that, that that was like your plan. Sometimes I pick up on that stuff. I'm like, oh, they decided to only do this. Well, I guess or that. we did like a decent job. I think you did. A, <laughs> like, no, I think you did it, a great I mean, job. I was super nervous about like doing like all because it's a lot of that stuff. You know, if it, you know, there's a world where oh, that could have just been on a dolly, or that could have been on a jib arm, or that could have been right. on sticks. And but we made uh, like a conscious decision to like assign that much more of a of a like a grounded weighted camera to like the you know the villains in it and the bad guys and so they get like a dolly push in or they get you know a shot that's truly just a static like super precise type of yeah and just that it has a different feel right every you know there's a lot of ways to move a camera you know as a push into a close-up and sure but they often they often have their subtleties and a different feel and there's some Mm -hmm. overlap and you can kind of you know, make a techno look like a dolly push to some extent and a, a steady cam look like a techno push to some, you know, and like sure. there's a bit of, you know, like fudge factor there, but 
I kind of I feel like in, intrinsically, and in, there's like the study cam is a great representation of like the way we as humans see like movement through space, like our point of view. Right. And, you know, like what, what your eyes really see is handheld, but then the miracle of the human brain stabilizes that and you get steady cam yeah. and just sort of the, you know, the, the, the natural kind of proactive nature of that, um, just feels very human and i think as you know it's funny all this not to go down like a technology road, but all this stuff with the gimbals and with all these different you know devices and stuff i think they they offer a different you know it's a different language it's a different grammar different you know technique sure. for moving the camera and that has a that has a even if it's subconscious and subtle it has an impact and yeah you know and how the the stories and the characters are are perceived and unfold and I, you know, I just, I think as long as we're making movies for humans about humans like that, the sort of part of the miracle of the steady cam is just that it is such a great approximation for our point of view. And you right. know, when you, and when you use that for a story, you know, purpose, I just, I just think it, um, I just, I just think it's a great tool for it. And, and it was a lot yeah. of fun and I was pushed hard. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on one where we, I mean, you know, you know, vast river and stuff, you have endless horizons and, you know, you're anamorphic in film, literally in a little video tap. But I got to say like the, um, the Panavision, like the XL2 is, is such a wonderful camera to fly. I mean, it's that a camera, great camera to fly. I don't know if there's a better sync sound better camera. Than yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's, I don't think there's a better sync sound camera to put on a, on a steady cam like it just the the sort of the wide low weight of it and the size the air cam's the nice but it's higher it's a little top heavy and yeah. it's a little skinnier so it doesn't have the same side to side um ma- like low mass right and um i mean the four a properly converted 435 is amazing and it's a lot a little bit lighter and you can get a little more active quite with a bit it. lighter actually but you know it sounds like a, a coffee grinder yeah and then um you know a 235 you can do some great like running rig kind of sure. you know 235 is nice yeah yeah but you know again a different a different feel and a different i actually started to um i don't like too light no and it's got a different it's i think a lot of people don't and it's got a, it's just got a different look and a different feel but i started to play with that a bit um i'm kind of off of like uh you know Jimmy Miro had this rig that was super lightweight that was like a stripped down 2C or something that he used on, on any given Sunday. And I'd always right. wanted to build like a basically a running rig right? where it's just super bare bones and you can just kind of put around and push and you can really run with it and you can really kind of get in there. And I, so as was it like a pro light or something, I don't even remember. Like it mm. was probably cobbled together parts from like, you know, EFPs or three A's or whatever. Mm. You know, mm. I, I honestly don't know that Erwin Landau probably has pictures of it somewhere, but <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> um that's funny. but uh, the idea of being able to like move like quickly and dynamically but without the total frenetic craziness of like full handheld or yeah. like the stabilized precision of a you know a techno with a lever head kind of thing like sure. it's you know it's always sort of fascinated me and, and i i wanted to do that and so when i was kind of upgrading stuff when things were switching over to hd and i was like new post and and wiring and all that like, business i had my original sled parts that i was saving in the build this like second running rig and um i made the decision to basically sell all that and take that money in a little bit more and not much more a little bit more and get a second pro um uh, from Jack that was like the lighter version of everything, like the bat gen four bat rack and the fixed length post and the non VZ gimbal. And I had that still had my DB two and where everything would be a backup. Like all the parts would swap with my main sled. If there was a problem, that's a good idea. But, but it also was this much lighter, 
rig that you could set up as a running rig. And I think, I think the first time I used it was on midnight special. Mm. Um, and, uh, well, I was going to ask you about midnight special because Jeff Nichols also directed Jeff. that. Yeah. Same t- and, and Adam Stone, Adam shot Stone it. shot it. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and of course, um, um, Oh God, who's in every one of his movies? What's Michael Shannon. <laughs> Michael the Shannon. Great, the great Michael Shannon. The great yeah, he's Michael amazing. Shannon. I I wish I'd never I've never worked with him. I wish I had. He's he's, he's incredible. He's fantastic. Maybe I will one day. But um, but yeah, so I had you know we had stuff you know these some chase sequences in the woods and things, and I talked to Adam and Jeff about it, and I had just sort of put it together before that, and so we got a two thirty five XL two again. It was an XL two okay. um, for all the main main camera, main camera but then um, did we, you keep a second body for your Steadicam? Uh, no. Well, I honestly don't remember if we mm. converted or if we kept, if that was a converted or if there was, there might've been, there was a lot of studies. There might've been a second. I don't know. Dave, Dave Reagan, our, uh, folks, or, and I mean, you could have had a Steve early. They're both so fast with all that stuff. And you can put the, you can have your like dovetail bracket on and it's a quick, I mean, those film cameras yeah, were like, like an SOS it's like two cables and a. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, thing, yeah. and you were like, great. And you're yeah. like done. You know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Boom, motor's done. <laughs> no, but I remember um, years ago, a few years back, I I did a favor for my actor friend who was directing this film. We're shooting anamorphic in mm-hmm. the in the desert in like essentially Death Death Valley, and um, uh, we're, we're at Panavision prepping, and we have uh, an XL two. And I'm like, you know, we're going to be switching back and forth between Steadicam. I'm like, so I just talked to the rep and I'm like, hey, give us a lightweight, please. And they're like, okay, no problem. They like, <laughs> they like threw it in because, you know, they keep them there for people when they need them. But, right. you know, once you're do, once you're already renting a package, you know, a lightweight to them is not that big a deal. So no, they, but they happily threw it in for It's us. a lot heavier than the XL2. I just wanted a quick switch over. Sure. I didn't actually mind the weight that much. Um, um I wasn't that worried about it. Yeah. The funny part is, first shot up. No, it's a very flyable camera, and there's been a lot of great stuff done oh, with it. Oh, yeah, but yeah. But for, first shot up, the DP's like, oh, can we ramp on the lightweight? We're like, no. <laughs> like, we had no plans to ramp, right. so we had to, like, jerry-rig something together to do a ramp on the XL2. But I, So I rebuilt, and then we ended up doing... I think all the Steadicam on the XL2. Right after. <laughs> I mean, That's how as it goes, right? <laughs> yeah, like f- four days worth. Because this, it was so brutal. The environment, like the switchovers, took a while anyway. And, and right. not not us, but like everything else, just like I don't know. It was just hard to work in. It was yeah. the coldest day was like 110. Yeah three or four people that went to the hospital with heat stroke in three oh, or four days. Yeah. That it sounds ideal. Bad. It was bad. <laughs> it was really bad. There was a crazy bug infestation. I mean, it's all exteriors too, obviously. Right. That's why I was shooting up there. It was nuts. It was really nuts. It was fun, but, um, you know, it's one of those tough ones. Right. <laughs> well, I'm doing it. It's favors. Everybody's doing favors too. So favors are tough. I I'd mean, rather do a favor than be undervalued. Yes. Agreed. Hundred percent. I mean, it's just yeah. Because well, a favor you're they're appreciated, but they just maybe don't have the means to do whatever. But um, I want to get back to that. Actually, I have a an interesting little aside. Well, the nice thing was he was spending all the money to be on screen, right? You know, whatever. Okay, there's hotel rooms, but we were we were staying, you know, not nice places. (laughs) I mean, there aren't really nice places up there anyway. But but we're just staying wherever, and you know. There's an RV, and we had what we needed, but it wasn't extravagant. It's super basic. You know? We yeah, had tons of water and Gatorade. Like, right. But, but, 
yeah bare bones yeah yeah. yeah. So, um, but anyway, I got you. I got you off track. You were you were using. So you got a two thirty five on your running rig. Yeah, we had a two thirty five with a hundred percent conversion and the steady mags for it. You know, it's a different angle of the throat or whatever than the four thirty five. So you got to like, you know, order all that stuff. Um, it is. Oh, it's a different. It's a slightly different angle than the. I'm pretty sure than the four thirty five. It's different. Set oh, of so mags. you have to have a whole different. Well, if you you know if you want a mag that runs true like vertical, vertically, yeah, you know, sure. I mean, you can put the other mags. They're all the same throat and gears. But oh, they are right. Okay. But um, you know, or the you know whatever you can use the area three mags on it, but it's not going to be a balance like a sort of steady cam. Just you know. But the two thirty five doesn't it? You don't need like a mag insert right well or, the mags are longer like the throats are longer on the steady mags so it kicked it back and then it was right vertical. and it makes it vertical yeah. right okay yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. sort of all in one i mean threading them you know as a loader is, was always a challenge the steady mags were tricky because they had that long throat right even on the 435s or every threes or whatever the sl cine mags yeah yeah um, the, oh that the Airy three, the Airy three. Well, anyway, yeah. I remember I, <laughs> I didn't load that much, but I've I've loaded my fair share of Airy three mags and four thirty five mags, and um, actually, do you remember Matt Bass was on this? Mm-hmm. We talked about um, doing a hand crank two C. Oh yeah, that's a fun a, one on a on a uh, Airy three, and me in the bag trying to untangle the mess he'd made <laughs> for like two hours, <laughs> just like turning yeah. like trying to you're rewind like sweating it's onto the total film spaghetti like, in there. yeah <laughs> totally awful anyway at some point you want to just cut it and like have the lab figure it out <laughs> yeah i think that was another like favor thing i think we only had two mags so it's like you've tied up one of the two mags for right two hours we probably could have just sent <laughs> given them the mag to to get to later the but room, yeah. then it then it slows everything else down for all day anyway we figured it out somehow i can't remember how <laughs> actually the best bet what it would have probably been to dump just literally dump the mag in the bag and send send that sealed up well well maybe that or then i don't know just jam it in or it would have been easier to roll yeah i don't know i mean you Who had knows? to be careful too because you don't want to scratch touching it. everything yeah. and scratching touching it yeah i know it was a music video so maybe it would scratch have is probably added would value have, to oh, it totally <laughs> it would have been, total it would become the trend for the next decade <laughs> yeah well i mean you were this was the early 2000s that like in the late 90s they were i don't know how many music videos you worked on but like I, and I didn't do that many, but even commercials, we were like popping doors open. Oh yeah, pulling pulling, pulling the lenses off, pulling the lens yeah. off the mount, and putting like just yeah. barely, Inter- and yeah, making weird doing start stop stuff to get the flash frames. Exactly and, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, super like I thought found it really interesting, yeah. but it all came I think from music videos. Yeah, like just the experimental part of it, just super fun. Yeah, that's the problem with with digital over film. And I know I'm not saying like I want to be able to open doors all the time or anything, but like I shoot film, you can see my stuff over here. Right. Um, and the, the dream of film for me, the best part of shooting film is your happy accidents and the surprise you get when you get your prints back. Oh yeah. You know, I, it's, it's nice to take a nice photo and Matt Kennedy and I were talking about this, like when you can look down at every single photo and go, eh, almost let's take another and yeah. just like keep shooting where like you take one frame with a with a a, a a film camera and you don't know what you have so maybe you take two to protect yourself or right. whatever but like 
you're not doing the same thing. It's different. Oh, know? it is different. I, it's funny. I often find with even like with digital or even shooting like the iPhone or something like, you know, that I'll take a couple of pictures of something and nine times out of 10, the first photo I've taken, which I is just for some reason is always just the better one. And every now and then there's something you, because your instincts have kicked in and now you're, you're letting your brain interfere with your instincts. Exactly. And you're, and maybe something is too perfected. Maybe it right. is better with a little like, off this or a crazy flare or right. something or a little funky composition yeah. or something yeah i totally agree yeah and that makes that gives it character that that that's the interesting part of the photo a lot of times right yeah, it's your immediate reaction to it sort of unfiltered yeah you know not trying to well for whatever reason right apply some other standard to it right right somebody else's standard generally yeah. right but i used to i i, I used to bracket a little bit and probably 10 years ago or something I started bracketing stuff and I got my first two or three rolls back and I was like why the fuck am I wasting film taking the same photo <laughs> three times at right. different exposures because the first one I liked right you know and so I, I I said to myself I'll never bracket again if I didn't get it if I didn't get it in that shot then I didn't get it that's okay you know, right right well that was part of the the magic, the magic wasn't there yeah right and and it's still there if you shoot film. It's just rarer and rarer. And I don't even shoot it enough anymore. Like I'm, not a lot of people do. It's becoming harder and harder. There's less less infrastructure for it. I mean, we're lucky to be in LA where there are labs here, right? You know, um, and I'm sure New York and I know Chicago has one, but even that lab when I was there took a week or something. You know, yeah. Like if you need stuff done at a lab here, you can get it day of. I think right. You know, and you're talking about pro labs, like, you know, like real, like fashion photographers go to and shit. Right. Yeah. Even they don't shoot film anymore. Yeah. It's, it's less and less sadly. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it gives you something anyway, but Jeff Nichols shoots film. He does. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think, I mean, the midnight special was a mix. There was some, I what think, was the budget on that? Same ish. No, that was more, that was, that was. I think over twenty. Oh, okay. It's more of a road movie too. It had, it had more. That had more going on. I mean, there was like helicopter stuff in it, and there's effects. There's a lot more, and there's a lot more effects and things. It's yeah. a more complicated like story technically. Right. Um, you know, so yeah, that it was a it was a bit bigger. Um, but it was. But where was were, where was that? That was uh that was mostly Louisiana. Okay. There was a bit in New Mexico. And a bit in Florida, which oh. was actually one of those um, classic crazy weeks where I think in the last eight days we were in like five different states or something. Oh, God. Um, you Did know, you we, all go? Yeah. most. You didn't just hire assistants down there? No, I mean, we were bringing cameras and lenses and like at a point if you're like t dealing with all this stuff, like you're just... Like what's bringing another guy? And if you bring in all those guys, like we like it was like a and it was a lot of the same people that were on mud and right, um, you know, and and just that this sort of that family and so it's like thing, yeah, yeah, and so you know you just you know you bring everyone and you know everyone's gonna get along and and do a good job and and, and especially fun. when you're going to a state for like twelve hours, right? And you've got to you, you have a bunch you gotta of have shit a short to hand and be dialed in and not figuring out like oh right. you didn't bring, oh hey Mike nice right. to meet you yeah oh and you don't have a cart cool right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, right, you know, right, right. like that sort of, that sort of thing. <laughs> right. 
the unwelcome surprises. Yeah, yeah that's so, true. And, and you know what? It's peace of mind. Spending the money to bring somebody is peace of mind. Well, I think it too. You get a certain. It also gets loyalty out of people. Yeah, and it's just you know if you have you know people that you know are are good and 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 want to be there, uh, you know, around you, it just gives you a. Uh, you know, I think an ability to move in a way with a confidence that like if you're just kind of figuring out everybody and stuff, you just don't have, it's a little, um, you know, there's a reason a lot of like a lot of crews stick together. There's, you know, or teams stick together. It's mm-hmm. just, there's a, there's a, um, a comfort and efficiency and a just quality to it that right. it's hard to get otherwise. Right. And, and, and you've worked with um, Adam Stone on a bunch of other stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Adam and I are are, um, are good friends, and and uh, um, were you buddies before? Yeah, we went to college or? together. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, where'd you go to school? Um, well, now it's University of North Carolina School of the Arts. It was just North Carolina School of the Arts when I was there, but it's a uh, UNC's art school in Winston Salem. Okay. And cool. uh, yeah, it was a great. Um, Wait, is there another art school that a lot of people go to? I mean, there's probably no, no in, in North, North Carolina. Carolina. Because David Lebb went to one, and I don't think it's the one you went to. No, I, I actually think it. I think it is. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. there's a bunch of guys. Dylan Conrad. Oh um, yeah, they went to the same yeah. school. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's okay. A, there's a. Do you know Lebb? Uh, not other than through your podcast. Okay. <laughs> no, because because he and Dylan are you know they've known each other longer than I've known either one. As a matter of fact, yeah. Lebb introduced me to Dylan. So, um, anyway. Yeah. No, um, it's a. I was I was there. That's probably how they know each other. School. Adam and I were there many moons before those young bucks. But <laughs> I know. But yeah, it's how, uh, how do you mind me asking? How old are you? Uh, I think you're my age. Probably. Um, I I turned forty one earlier this year. Oh, I got you beat, buddy. I got you beat. I turned forty five later this year. I would not have guessed that. So. It's because I, you know what? I drink enough booze. I preserve it everything. You preserved your I'm youthful pickled. looks. <laughs> Pickle. <laughs> now I notice it not not only in like some extra extra wrinkles on the face, but like in the um, in the aches and pains department. You know, you just. I mean, it's. I don't feel like there's anything that I couldn't do now that I could do earlier. It's just, you don't heal as quickly. Right. So same. whether it's just like a peeler of a day or just some physical, like, you know, you, the, the dolly takes your shins out or something, you know, you're like, whereas, I mean, God, you'd like, sli- you know, in your like early twenties, like slice your finger open or something. And you like throw a piece of, you know, cotton ball and a ga- piece of gaff tape on it. And two days later, in it's there. like, it never happened, <laughs> you know? And now it's like, you're super careful and like the neosporin and band-aids and a file a report with the medic and you get out. And like three weeks later, it still hasn't healed. <laughs> and you're like, you know, and then it's a scar. So yeah, yeah. that's how it goes. <laughs> you know what? I have some, t- I have some scars on my leg. I, I was doing a shot for a pilot last year for, uh, this director I love and I was doing I was walking backwards up some stairs leading um, uh, leading the lead character up the stairs and and I I I back into this little just on the side of the sidewalk it's like some big mansion with a you know Mm -hmm. it's like a brick sidewalk kind of thing anyway I back her around to hinge her to the door and I had done like three rehearsals of it it's totally fine but the sidewalk curves and on the edges of it it's like a five foot drop with no railing but there's plants everywhere okay like really dense plants like covering it all Mm -hmm. as a matter of fact i'm surprised it's the code and i bet it's not i bet they hit it by doing the plants right because there's no railings on this thing or anything oh maybe not i don't know anyway 
who cares? But I get to the top. <laughs> and when we did it, when we did it for real, she was a little closer to camera, which mm-hmm. meant I need to go a little further back and, you know, just right. to, just to keep to, the frame size. Just yeah. to keep the frame size. Um, n- n- very minor amount, like six inches. And I got my foot basically to the edge of the stairs, which was fine. My dolly grip was there behind mm-hmm. me. But there was, I didn't know, there was rose bushes there. So I'm standing there and I'm like, oh, oh. there's the rose bushes. And they're all jammed into my leg. <laughs> really? And the shot ends, she she has a little conversation, then she turns and she leaves the frame, which is fine. Um, but I just, I just am locked off there. So I'm like, oh, this is nice. And so I walk <laughs> away and then they're like, okay, with the cat, the director's like, let's go, let's go right away again. So I, I go back to one mm-hmm. and we do the shot again. Um, I got into the rose bushes a tiny bit, but I don't think any more than I had before. I think they just, my leg just hurt. Right. So anyway, then they say cut. I go back to my stand, which this was really wide. It's looking out on the street. So my stand's way over there and like video village is way over there. And I go to my stand and I, I drop it for a second and I didn't know I was bleeding. I just knew I got, you know, yeah, I prob- yeah, little pricks yeah. or something. The medic comes running over. <laughs> <laughs> You're like gushing blood. Well, because I had the the video like, village was the opposite direction. So when I walked down the stairs into my stand, they all saw the back of my leg, which was shedding pints. The of- whole back of my leg was <laughs> running blood down into my sock. <laughs> and somebody was like, holy shit, what's wrong with that? So then he gets there and they're like, okay, let's go again, rolling. And I'm like, sorry, buddy, we'll wait till the next one. And it didn't, it wasn't that bad. You know, it's right. like scratches that bled kind of bad, you know? And, um, but you get that moment of like, I'm bleeding for you. Like, yeah, don't literally. cover it up. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like two days later, I have this other gash from getting out of a van in Cincinnati that really Oh, a 15-pass van? But the newer ones. Yeah, all of it. I put them in the same category. One of my least favorite things in all the filmmaking van rides. <sighs> yeah. I agree. It's just an energy suck. Yeah. And it's awkward, and everybody's in the van together. And you just always and two like people start talking. Like adults with like, you know, backpacks and tool belts climbing in and out of this thing, and like someone, you're always banging into something or someone, or and they're not. There's no uniform standards. So some have the higher like head clearance, some don't. Some have running boards, some don't. So like, someone's always misstepping or slipping or. You're it's right. It's like it's such a. You're right. But it's so lo-fi compared to anything else you deal with in your like day that you don't pay it any mind. So like no attention is paid to any of that. And that's well, it's not part of, of the that work. happens. Yeah. It's so the it's in between just the like, work. Right. Just kind of like getting bounced around in them and that's listening true. to some conversation you don't want to hear or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I'm always the one having the conversation. <laughs> Everybody else is putting their headphones on. <laughs> no, but, um, uh, I was getting out of one of those, I think it was one of the Mercedes ones or whatever it was. And it has these, the seatbelt, when you plug them in, those things do not move now. They used to be pretty floppy on those old. Oh, like, yeah, you sat down on the seat buckle, on, I, on the, the receptor, the the button part of it, the female it's part. It's the button yeah. part. I yeah. didn't sit on that. That'll bruise you. Ask I me not, how I know. <laughs> I did not sit on that. I was getting out of the van and I'm ducking down and dragging my leg over the seat because they're all so tightly jammed and I'm a tall guy and my shin caught the sharp little edge by the red part of the mm-hmm. seatbelt thing and caught it very quickly and ripped ripped it off as a matter of fact. But I had like a, I don't know, <laughs> a half inch gash in my leg, which I never had anybody look at and I still have a nasty scar 
um the, the point was the next day cat was like oh my god what what happened to the front of your leg did you get in the boot and i was like no that's a long time ago injury she's like oh okay right <laughs> but no we always get these little injuries and i'm klutzy anyway so i bang myself up on the dolly constantly and I'm pretty good with the dolly, like knock on wood. It's yeah. um, I'm pretty like aware of all the the harmful biting parts, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think any and most everyone on a set works with a lot of heavy, yeah, you know, um, potentially dangerous equipment, and you use it every day, and so you know sometimes you get a little complacent with it, or mm-hmm. um, you're just tired from you know long days or whatever, and it's it's tricky. I think one of the sort of total aside but i think one of the most dangerous pieces of equipment on set is the lift gate and oh yeah you know i've seen a lot of accidents i'm with them and you're just you know you're operating them like when you're in and early and when you're late and tired and they're total like it may as well be an ice rink when it's raining yep and they're dark and it's you're wrapping at night and you can't really see them and i don't know why they don't fix the water thing I think part of it is because in LA it rains so little yeah. that we don't have that big an issue. I, I, I'm sure in Atlanta where it rains a lot. No, I mean there. I mean some maybe. I don't know. It's no. Not, I'm saying they're not fixed still, but I'm, yeah. I bet they will be when they start all getting sued. I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's just you. You know, it's just something you can't. You can't have these trucks and this gear without them. It would be impractical to do it any other way, but it's one because no, know, I mean putting something down oh, on yeah. the gate so, so that like when traction it rains, tape or something. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know why that's not. It seems to me it should be, but yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. You should design your own camera truck. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, when when the it would have a big bar area, um, <laughs> a big bar in a lounge. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's like one little shelf for camera it's like equipment, a ninety inch and like TV, couple, and a couple Xbox. hammocks, and some <laughs> good stereo system, and a well stocked bar, some saloon doors, and maybe a player piano. <laughs> and a, you'd have something. <laughs> and a cube truck following us with the gear. <laughs> <laughs> That's on the overflow. That's the other ten ton. Exactly. <laughs> this is like the this is the business truck. Right. <laughs> this is where the action happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but um, I had an incident with a with a lift gate many years ago, and I think I've told it on here. But I I I crushed my toe. I thought I'd broken it. I I hadn't, and I was alone. Oof. I was I was a PA. I was dropping gear at Panavision, Florida, uh, the night at like midnight the night before Thanksgiving, at the end of a commercial, and I'd driven back from <laughs> Tampa to Orlando. Yeah, and I was dropping. <clears throat> the full camera package, two camera bodies and, you know, 435s and probably a bunch of Primos and right. what, whatever they were using in 1999. And, um, yeah, I was putting the lift gate up and I squashed my toe in it. Oh. Because I'd worked a 15-hour day and then I drove two hours and then I'm, right. and I'm sitting there waiting on the, the tech because they paid to open it up because it's Sunday night or whatever. Right, on or, a holiday. No, weekend. it wasn't Sunday, but it's Wednesday they closed or it's Wednesday, yeah. right. Um. So I'm waiting on him, and I thought I was going to lay there. I, I managed to get myself up, but I yeah. thought I was going to lay there for a while. But um, um, anyway, so I've I've been there with the gates before. I mean, I, and I've also slid, and I've also seen carts go off them. I've and, seen carts go off. I've seen very capable, strong, seasoned crew members get like overrun. gash their shins, like going up, taking a misstep off the side. Uh, 
I I knocked I not not totally out, but knocked the wind out of myself. I jumped up on one that was like in a half gate position and tried and to run into the truck, but it was a truck that had like the garage door style yeah. thing that was partly down, and I didn't see it because I was wearing a baseball cap, and just right across like oh, no. the bridge of my nose, and just it just knocked the wind out of me. I just like collapsed on the floor of the camera truck for a minute and. That's a bad But I was one. like in my early 20s, so you again, you kind you of were, heal and recover. Well, I did that now. Remember that safety class we had, which <laughs> is putting putting the gate in that middle position is a no-no. No, no. Yeah, you it's, need to have stairs. We should anyway. Right. It but, should be down on the ground or folded up, essentially, right? Yeah. Or up, but with the stairs or whatever they do with right, the railings. With stairs. Stuff, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Because, and I think that's why, because so many people, they jump up. And and it's it's kind of high, yeah. so they kind of jump. Spring and up. if it's a little wet or anything, or you just misstep, yeah. you're gonna face plant into it, or you're gonna get your scrape your whole shin down, or whatever, like injure yeah. yourself. But nobody has the stairs ever. Yeah, it's it's the exception. Yeah, I never <laughs> I never see them, and um, I still see a fair amount of trucks doing the middle position thing for sure. Well, um, it's also I think you know we're all you know you're not always on often not on dry level ground so even if you have stairs it's often impractical to try to implement them that's true that's true and camera normally has it up and uh, at least in my experience now because we all almost always have the side door now right so and there's stairs yeah, the tent, there on a good tent on you do right and so so that's good but like so many other trucks i see that don't or I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know the guys that are in and out a lot more. Electric grip. Yeah, they're grabbing like whatever. Go, you know, go grab the the ladders and stuff that load the from the four back. foot yeah. offset, or go right. grab the yeah, go grab the twelve to step, twelve step or whatever. Yeah, um, I don't know. So many safety issues. So so often, you know. I'm surprised more of us don't get hurt more often. <laughs> I think it's kind of a testament to our skill as human beings that we don't get hurt more often. Yeah, I think there's that, and I think it's generally. Um, I feel like people look out for each other um, yeah. pretty well on film sets. I know I've had, I've definitely had um, several good dolly grips, like quite literally save my life, you know, or keep you from, you know, having a from, bad fall. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, or help ease a fall, Yeah, you know? Uh, and I think, I think there's just an awareness. I mean, when, you know, there's a general appreciation, I, I think for how like, how dangerous like a condor or scissor lift and there's some stuff is improving i mean there's a lot of certainly like in the lighting and electrical department a lot of their fixtures and all these leds like the technology is changing a lot but they're you know nowadays like i I know a lot of gaffers that if they're doing a a light rig and a condor they're they're not going to send a person up they're you know they're putting it on an airy max mover or like an lrx or something that's right so they can control it remote controlled yeah you know because why have a guy suffering up there someone up there in in like harm's way when you can do it all from the ground it right. makes no sense. Right. Like, uh, and know. they're fairly safe, but I mean, you've heard your share. Oh, yeah. I remember 2003 or something, the one guy went from one bucket, fell into another. Oh, gosh. In bad wind yeah. in LA. And um, so lucky he hit the other bucket. Yeah. He would have been dead, but instead he broke his back and both his legs and stuff. Like, right. <laughs> but he fell from 70 feet in the air, you know, landed in another bucket of another condor craziness but Man. not wearing a harness right on a non-union movie um people always say oh a harness uh. i'm like all right I, I i told the guy we were do, we were doing a 135 foot harness i mean uh, uh oh condor. those condors are yeah i love i think it's awesome but they sway all over the they place. totally sway yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not the best camera platform because of that <laughs> right 
Well, I mean, if you lean forward, the whole thing goes. Whoa. I mean, if there's you have like to be a, very still, if like a butterfly flaps its wings, it moves. Like yeah. it's just so. It's such a, it's a just such mechanical advantage. You're out at the end, you know. For sure, for sure. But um, and it's always windy up there. Yeah. Well, we were in Dupont State Forest, so mm-hmm. on uneven ground oh, nice. that they leveled, but we were doing <laughs> shots above the trees. I was actually, we were just doing static shots, and I'm like, let's do some moving shots. So literally, I had him. I would start rolling, and then. They can't use the very beginning. No, because it's just, a rough start or stop, but you can... But there's some so much drop. room. We, we yeah. went from above the trees to below them and stuff, you know, like a 60-foot yeah. crane move. And they're smooth once they're going. Oh, yeah. Pretty great. Um, pretty cool stuff. But the, the grip who went up with me was like, oh, fuck that harness. I'm not wearing that stupid thing. And I'm like, well, I am. He's like, if you fall out from 100 feet, man, you're dead. And I was like, well, if the wind blows us out, no, if he, he said, if it falls over at a hundred feet, you're dead. The harness yeah. isn't going to save you. And I'm like, but if something crazy happens and you get yanked out of it, you're going to live. He's like, oh, the chances of that. I said, well, at the very least, if you're not wearing a harness and you die, your, your kid's not getting your death benefits. Cause you were negligent. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, <laughs> you're not wearing the safety gear that you're. OSHA approved you're supposed to wear the union approves this like if you're not wearing that they're gonna say you might have lived if if you were wearing your harness and they're not gonna pay out and he's like oh hey can I get another harness <laughs> instantly on the radio and I'm like you know at the very least you know there's a reason they have you wear it it's not all stupidity right? yeah I saw that China video David Gro- Dave Grove posted it on like the safety page on Facebook and this a condor going over and these two guys go flying out of it and it it hits something and stops and they go flying out of it and they're both swinging on their fall harnesses they live wow but otherwise they would have fallen from 50 or 60 feet right and been splat you know so weird things happen anyway um do you want to take a break because you're you're out of ice and out of ice and running low on coffee and oh my god i know coffee (laughs) (laughs) all right we'll be we'll be right back Wait, we're talking about the iBird. Say that again. I just, I just started recording. <laughs> the, I mean, it lowers the center of gravity of you know where the point where the brig connects to you. So there's mostly pros and a little bit of a con to it. Like I've I found at least, like it's it's way it's way more natural and comfortable, and it puts the arm in a place that matches. Like for a tall operator, like it exactly matches right. their arm position a lot better. And I find myself I don't really need to use arm posts that are different lengths anymore. Same. Like between the pro arm and the eye bearing, you're kind of anywhere that you'd normally be with a steady cam. But because it is this, you know, whatever eight or ten inch drop down, it, it extends just it's like not the, even that much. I don't think it's four or six. I think it's enough. It's I don't it's know. Much. I feel like it's it's maybe, a good maybe it's, it's like right six amount. or eight something in there. It's is no, it, it's okay. a good fit, but it's yeah. um, you know, it's a it's a like you know, it acts as an extension like an arm, just kind of like the the gimbal a longer extended gimbal handle does, and so I've found that. With the eye bared, like my, I've had to almost like I had to work a little harder on uh, body position and footsteps because anything that you do leaning backward or forward is a, uh-huh. is slightly exaggerated because the point at which it mounts is this is like an extended arm and so it's magnified. It's like you know, it's being on a longer arm essentially. And, right. Yeah. That's but, true. But where you know the pros, I feel like outweigh that, and you figure it out, and it's it's a great. It's another Walter Clausen marvel. It is, yeah. I, I, um, and you know, like everything they do, with like the engineering is just 
solid. Yeah, it's super yeah. solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, um, yeah that's nice. It's a, it's, it's a no worries kind of thing. You put it on and it just lives on there and you forget about it. I thought it. I would change it and was going to get another uh, socket block to be able to switch back and forth and not have to unscrew the eight screws for the socket block. Oh. So I'd have, you know, the standard, I could probably wear a pro vest and the standard pro one and the other one and... I mean, every blue moon, I feel like there's something where I'm like, wish I had that, the regular one, but I just never, I mean, that the standard, you know, I just don't, I never did it and I don't, mostly don't think about it. And you don't miss it. <laughs> right. No, me either. I mean, the big, and obviously I was telling you before we began recording again, it, it, the reason I bought it was to fit through that winter coat that I had that right. I got for it Chicago. Puts it down that, like a, right. Yeah. Wear a holster on a cop. <laughs> and that was a Ron Baldwin suggestion, and and um, yeah, Ron is uh, he's a hoot, but he's also really smart and thoughtful with all the gear stuff, and he's like oh, a yeah. closet nerd about it, and really, oh yeah, yeah really yeah. savvy, and yeah, and and experiments like endlessly still is fascinated by it, which is awesome. He's a great source of of intel and research. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, you were you were laughing at my Anton one sixties. I know those giant. Like, I guess that you can run the camera for eight hours, which to me is a drawback. I'd like to have to stop and change batteries and reload, but. Well, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I always run a battery now. So, you yeah. know, um, I, or the, the difference in that and putting two or three, like, what is it? You know? Well, no, I put two more on there. So you run a one sixty? I, and I two yes, regular. I'd like to keep my, I leap, I like to keep my post as short as possible. I do too, times. but I try to do it with two batteries although i fly a green screen a lot still i do too whoa tb6 <laughs> i have my gen 3 pro that i love and oh you have a pro 3 cool yeah and i kind of i keep changing i keep trying other like lcds and things and every now and then like a for a certain show or a certain camera it makes sense to have uh-huh you know but i kind of come back to it especially with the heavier cameras is i feel like it just flies nicer and i like that screen and there's a the um it's kind of nice too. The green screen. Nobody wants to look at the green screen, so uh-huh. there's a <laughs> no one's hanging over it's your like, shoulder. It's like you. It's like a, you smell bad or something, and everyone kind of keeps their distance. Whereas if you have a well, look, a we have seven perfect o- video all the time. Yeah. So yeah, so they can go a, over there. They you were a seven o three, and and all of a sudden it's like a lot of people right. are really interested in that nice picture you have. That's yep. You know, yeah, you're carrying along with you. <laughs> well, people forget, you know, without. I'm not a big fan of when they lean over my shoulder and want to point at the monitor and this and that. But I think for the most part, I like it if we're working something out and it makes sense and it's like a director and a DP and it's yes, like, of a, course. like, you know, that intimate sort of, of side. I'm just saying and, in a general sense, yeah, you know, but like if everyone's just kind of like, you know, people are trying to figure out some random thing that you could have easily looked at one of the other 35, right. You know, beautiful 17 to whatever inch color monitors. monitors on set. Right. Yeah, no, um, no, no, no. My point was like, they don't think of that. Like, because it's so ingrained in our mind that the the rig is on us and it's, you know, it's a countdown to when I have to take it off. Right. I mean, I don't generally think of it that way, but there's going to be some point where I have to put this thing down. Sure. So like, and the more I wear it all day, the more, the less useful I'll be at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. Well, it's about balancing. I mean, you have a certain amount 
and it's like balancing like your fuel reserves or whatever you know like <laughs> that's my point there's right. a there's it's i mean yeah it's not infinite and uh right you know it depends on the the rig and the camera and of course all and the shots stuff, and the terrain and everything but yeah you're managing that i mean that's part of being that's my point yeah so all that stuff matters and it's just like it's just like you sorry that's weird things happening um <laughs> we're Uh-oh. hearing weird noises not that cable again <laughs> sorry um no my point was that that the um uh you know when somebody's looking over your shoulder and wanting to talk it's uh it's 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 draining the resources that you have in your body right you know and look i i'm never i'm very rarely like oh i need a break you know and every once in a while i am and i'm i'm guessing you're the same way yeah i mean I mean, I make but, a, but I want to be as fresh as possible. Absolutely, and I make a point of like just keeping the rig on. I mean, oftentimes I'll have an eighty or something. Oh, you want to set that down? We got it like a couple minutes. I was like, well, is this like ten minutes or like two minutes? If it's two minutes, I'm going to hang on to it. Sure. And I think it. I think I picked it up. Maybe like at a workshop or on set when I was an AC doing a music videos with Jacques or something where. Like just keeping the rig on you longer, like it, it builds up your tolerance and makes you stronger and your endurance yeah. improves. And it's always like, if you haven't done steady in a while, like the first day back to it, it's like the worst. It's like not having gone to like gone for a run in a month and then right. you like go for a run and it's miserable. But then like, yeah. you know, after like a week and you've been back at it a bit, like it feels pretty great and you're kind of have your stride and everything. And so, you know, in an effort to be ready for like the three minute, you know, serpentine intricate shot like you kind of keep it on as long as you can for the small stuff to just you know be ready but yeah there's a point where you know you yeah it's finite the the reserves and what you have and you have to manage that because you want to always do your best work and give them the best possible and right and so and also like it's nice of ad's to be like oh hey do you want to put it down we have a minute that's great but also like when I need to put it down, it's going down. Do you right. know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Like, well, there's a point where you just, it's silly. I'll and, do their three takes or whatever. And then I'm like, and then they're like, okay, let's, and I'm just docking. Right. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> and they're like, whoa, do you need him? I'm like, yeah, I need a, I need a moment. You know, just give me a second. It's fine. You know, we just did three in a row. They're three minute takes. Like, I think I can put it down now. Like, I'm not. Well, in other words, like, earlier in my career, I'd be like, hey, can I put it down? Like now I just oh, put yeah, it down. Oh, yeah, you do. Well, also, I mean, it's interesting is like you're, as you age and you're like, you maybe don't have the endless like energy or, you know, just whatever of youth, but you have, you know, you're more managed with it. And right. so you have, you know, an ability to allocate it a little more effectively. Um, I think in certain ways I'm in better shape than I was. Oh yeah. That now well, that you're I was more, then. you're also probably more efficient. I feel like it, you know, you yeah. get, you do it and for your a while and your, itself. your body and your movements and everything is like the economy of, of motion is there and right. you know, you're very like, it's much more precision and less yeah. about like just battling like brute force through it. Right. Um, and working smarter now. Yeah. Like you were getting to is like right. you're, you learn to work smarter. And so if you are, if you are, if you do get more fatigued quicker, you can save yourself by working smarter, you know? And it's, I mean, it's tricky too. And like, I know you've addressed this on some of the other, you know, like Harhoff and some of the other guys, like, you know, the whole thing about like, it's like a steady now and, or even if it's B steady, Mm -hmm. you're just, I mean, you're constantly working. There is no break. It's not a specialty sort of thing anymore. And where that really, I find like really bites you is if you're on some sort of a show where there's like a huge sequence where you just spend 
weeks on like technocrane on the stage or you do whatever and then all of a sudden they want to do the, you know like a three minute you know walk and talk or something right and, and you haven't know, had the I, ring remember, on. I remember asking andrew rollins about this years ago i was like well, what do you do if like you've been you know you're on you're in the middle of a movie and you've just been you know in like dollies and cranes or maybe a little handheld or something for weeks and all of a sudden they just want to do some big steady camp thing like how do you deal with that and he's like oh he's like you, you know you're just kind of fucked that was his answer (laughs) i was like okay Um, sounds about right (laughs) and like you can obviously like you try to stay on it physically you know you're you know on the treadmill at night or you're you know i have a routine in the morning um pretty much like six days a week it's like you know stretching and push-up crunches yeah i've got to like i can't i can't show up at you know 6 a.m 7 a.m they're like you know whatever studies up this that you're like you know craning your neck around a dolly or something and not feel like ready for it like i just destroy myself and so um i i tried stretching for a while and i felt weird in the rig honest huh. honest truth i would i'd felt weird in the See, rig i've always like it's a reset the thing for is, me if you stretch well okay the whole thing used to be like you stretch to warm your muscles up kind of thing like as an athlete in college and stuff like that's what we did so my thing is always like well if you're you stretch in the morning and then you go you sit on a dolly for two hours like the stretches weren't off yeah you need to stretch again so right. i'm a weirdo on set that's always stretching like i kick okay. my i kick my legs up on the dolly dolly's great you can stand and do like calf raises to stretch <laughs> your calves true. out yeah. you can do like i mean the dolly's a wonderful like stretching machine they should start to incorporate you know <laughs> like hustlers in the most like, like Pilates, high-end gyms and Pilates stuff machine. <laughs> yeah absolutely a hustler four is a mainstay at the hybrid the four stretching <laughs> stretching apparatus <laughs> but uh yeah so i mean you've kind of got a stay on it or at least i feel like for what's to feel good and ready and and be you know and that and even to that note like someone i mean it was calm. so you went the other way than me yeah because I, I went the way of well i feel weird when i've stretched and i go right in and i go to i don't know why the rig feels weird on me and probably that's just a matter of getting used to things yeah. but i don't even i, I think just it, stopped stretching i think it was colin anderson that told me i wonder that maybe it was him or henry troll we're um Something about like basically just trying like if you have like if you're in like a just a bruiser of a shot you're in a situation where you're just like really getting worked that even if you if you can get the vest off for like 15 20 seconds oh, yeah. like it's just enough to like let your body like expand and stretch and uncompress your yeah vertebrae or whatever you stand different without the vest and on. it's yeah. well and you can just stretch in a way like you can right. i can bend down and do just like your, a toe touch and stretch my and arms out all, right. and all of yeah, a sudden yeah, yeah. like it's a, it's you you're completely i mean not completely but you're very much rejuvenated and yeah and it's i've um, definitely done that before yeah you know and so it's just a bit of a reset i mean you're you know it's like getting your body back in line or whatever yeah yeah do you do any massage acupuncture oh yeah i do like i mean chiropractor if if i'm working i go to i try to get a weekly massage like almost i never it never works out but yeah (laughs) Yeah. so i i uh i hurt my back in film school when i was like 20 and Mm. or 21 and it was super terrifying i was lifting like heavy cases and probably totally improperly and i was like i was i was like a, a bit of a like a gym rat at the time and i was mm-hmm. like a lot of guys in college want to look like arnold schwarzenegger that doesn't matter and, if you don't do it right yeah and it didn't matter like you're strong but you're not lifting things right and your lower back just takes a hit and right. you know it's like a lot of guys in college like it's all like you know bench pressing and buys but you're not doing anything for core or something <laughs> you're just like and uh, and i hurt my lower back and i was like kind of hobbling around and wearing like kind of one of those like home depot back braces for a while mm. and then i was on a movie 
in in the summer, but like between and uh, I remember I picked like like a O'Connor twenty five seventy five or a Sockler nine by nine or something and put it away in a case at like midnight, and I just felt my lower back go, mm. and I went to bed that night and got up in the morning and I could not move and it was terrifying being, you know, twenty one and and immobile and mm-hmm. I was like that I paralyzed myself like am right. I just like totally fucked and. I ended up going to the emergency room. You had sprained your back already, yeah. and you re- you sprained it worse. I sprained it worse, it. Yeah. and like I went I've been the, there. And that's basically what they said. And yeah. you know, they give you they can give you pain meds. They shot too. you muscle relaxers, and that's it. Right and they're like, butt, right? yeah. and then I went to the, we had you know it was an art school, and so we had all these like um, young dancers that were just like destroying their bodies. And then up the street was a Wake Forest, and it's like young you know football players and athletes just destroying their bodies. So this guy was just used to looking at like kids that had already like, like done, done, it all. done it all right yeah, yeah, yeah. and he looked me over for 10 or 15 minutes and he's like all right here's the deal he's like you're tall and so your hamstrings will always pull on your lower back and uh i can show you some stretches you can do 10 minutes in the morning 10 minutes at night and lift things properly and not have any problems for the rest of your life um, or you can ignore this and you'll probably hurt yourself again and you're just gonna have like a miserable pain throughout your life and i was like <laughs> okay <laughs> and i got into this routine that's sort of a mix of like now it's a mix of like yoga pilates sports stretching um uh-oh <laughs> we're being electrocuted <laughs> that was weird probably that did not rec- get recorded but that was a really weird noise the aliens the aliens aliens just got are us. coming to brad's yeah <laughs> anyone hears this <laughs> send in reinforcements oh god and have them bring tequila um <laughs> That's true. We're no, we're doing all right. We got okay. plenty left. Yeah, we're being reasonable metered. He drank like half the bottle. That's and not then true. I've drank like one the twentieth. <laughs> False. Um, yeah. So I started, you know, this routine, and I still carry it on. And when I travel, I always bring like a yoga mat and okay, like stuff, you know, different things to help stretching. Whatever lacrosse balls, different whatever, you know, I've had. What, what do you do with a lacrosse ball? Do you roll that under your back? Or yeah, do you, you can roll it under that? your back. You can do it under like your shoulder blades and like kind of your neck. You can stand on it a little bit for stretching, you know, feet and fascia. And it's, yeah, it's awesome. Um, it's hmm. intense. Yeah. But that stuff. Yeah. It, well, lacrosse balls are very hard. But there's other, you can get lighter stuff. There's like the trigger point and it makes this foam rollers. Like I always have a foam roller or two with me. Um, Damn. It's like all part of the, the routine of like, you know, like self maintenance preservation whatever yeah you're all about preservation and not getting hurt like doing fixing it before it's injured right that's smart that's smart i i should be more like that i really should i mean it's a very like i one of the things i love about what we get to do is it's the physicality of it you know we're not sitting at a desk in a cubicle or office whatever all day but that also requires you know a certain i feel like a certain level of like you have to you put in you get out what you put in so yeah when you're talking about like you know diet and workout and all that stuff yeah. like it matters and yeah. and it matters more as you age <laughs> sure of course let me, tell, let me tell you something funny i had a massage recently and i was i was beat up man like my shoulder hurt so bad and work was fun like <clears throat> it's been a little was it handheld and slow no 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 it was well i had done a actually i had done a um, that job I mentioned earlier with Jason Elson, it was all steady cam all day mm-hmm. for 14 hours or whatever it was. And, um, but I had already had this pain in my shoulder. Mm-hmm. It wasn't related to that, but I was sore from the job. Right. 
because it's been a little slow so i've been just like doing a commercial here and you know what i mean like right, right. it hasn't been daily so i go in and he's like do you sit at a desk with your arms like up and i was like um sometimes because the podcast because when i'm editing and stuff and, and and like i often sit like this and he's like oh yeah that'll really get you right here and he's like <laughs> he's like i need you like you should come in a second time because we don't an hour is not enough to work on this and right. i was like shit that's not even from my job that's from sitting at the desk like from doing the podcast so i so, feel like in some ways just our job is good. It's like a workout. People always ask me, where do you work out? I'm like, at work. Yeah. No, you know? and the Steadicam especially where the load is so like uh, kind of distributed over your body. It's versus great for like your handle. core. Like it's incredible. I feel like Steadicam keeps you strong and, yes. and honest. And like it's a... Because I have like, sciatica issues, and when I do sti- steady cam, it helps those issues. And when right. I do handheld, handheld it and you're them. like twisted over in a front car seat, and it's two a.m. and your posture's slouching, and you're craning your neck to get around the, you know, the visor or whatever the hell, oh, you yeah. know, and like it's yeah, that's where you're gonna yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's the totally. But so that's that's terrible that this podcast, which is so amazing that I think you're doing, <laughs> is actually causing you physical injury. Uh, that's not good, and. I know. Even like bad. maybe with uh, if enough people do uh, Patreon support, you can get uh, <laughs> regular <laughs> massages to counter the the detrimental health effects of doing this. Matt, which, no pain, no gain, buddy. <laughs> no, but I'm I, I actually am uh, ser- in a, on a serious note. Really do like appreciate that you've done this, and I've really enjoyed listening. Oh, thanks, you have some man. great great thanks. people on here, um, and, and sort of from all different kind of perspectives and things. And it's I really. Not is it only like kind of educational and fascinating to hear it, and honestly too, with like old friends like Anthony Hardwick and, and different people to hear them talking, it's like this almost like feels like you're sitting down at dinner or something with them, you know, and just right. like regaling you with these stories and stuff, and it's it's great. Um, I try to make it so that somebody like you who knows everybody who knows Chris and Anthony and BJ and and Dave Emmerich or whoever yeah like you'll be like oh yeah oh it's great and not. then somebody who's never met <laughs> any of them can be like oh wow and get something out of it also yeah, yeah. i mean no, that's it's great it's also i i mean I think because like Steadicam is such a like an oral tradition and there is there's such like this apprentice apprenticeship kind of like methodology to it it's just it's just great to have sort of to have this on the record and to to have you know i mean that your interview with garrett was awesome and Thanks, just, I mean, he's awesome he's i mean that was great a, i loved it it was super fun <laughs> yeah i mean he sat right what, there well, i mean yeah, and which is crazy i mean definitely and it's like feeling you know trying to fill big shoes <laughs> well we're you know but, in 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 the truth is we're all following in his footsteps anyway yeah i mean this so. guy and not only has he changed the way the world like sees and the visual grammar of you know media but yeah that he's created essentially like a sub industry that it's created livelihoods for thousands of people. And I, yeah, this it's just amazing. And I'm like in awe of it and, and, yeah. and happy and proud to be a part of it. And, and, there and I think so- this celebrates that and helps preserve sort of this like chunk in time and a bit of like reflection on past stuff and looking forward. And it's just great. I really, anyway, I so appreciate. Yeah. Um, cool. Thanks man. I mean, it, you know, um, guys like obviously Garrett but you know Randy Nolan oh Randy Nolan awesome 
I mean, I love listening to uh, Doc's stories and stuff. He's yeah. great. I've known Doc for years, and he's was, awesome. Yeah, I loved his top ten, and <laughs> everybody's everybody's been really great, you know. And and I learn stuff about people all the time. I do a bit of research, uh-huh. and um, and then we we get here and like just we were we were for a long time we were bullshitting in between this little <laughs> break here, and you're like, oh, on Zombieland, blah blah blah, and I I didn't realize that you had worked on Zombieland with BJ. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh man, jeez, that was a good. <laughs> this, that was a full hiccup. The podcast thing that was an unexpected hiccup, right in, right into the thing. <laughs> no, that's the tequila. Um, no, but you learn something new about every single person that walks in. Yeah, and um, and you know, like I was saying to you, like Garrett was giving me a little shit, a bit of shit about oh things. I think it's too long, and then you know, by the end of it, he came around and he's like. Oh, I really think, you know, it's hard to have a chance to find out a lot right. about somebody without it being a longer length. And that's what I've thought from the beginning. You know, the engineer that did the first six episodes for me in the in the studio, uh-huh. <clears throat> excuse me, he was like, You're, you want to record over an hour? And I'm like, yeah. Like, I want them to go until they're done. He's like... That'll never happen. Uh, you record an hour. That's all you've paid for. You record an hour, and then you, you cut it down to a half hour. That's all you can release. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you can't <laughs> you can't find out anything about somebody in a yeah. half hour. Yeah, right. That's a minor, t- tiny bit of time. And and um and he was a nice guy and he had good intentions, but um, he right. was trying to help me. He thought he knew something about podcasting. Well, and it's not. You're not. You're appealing to a super specific. Like you're appealing to, I imagine mostly it's, it's filmmakers. And so there's like a, a, an in-depth conversation or just like an in-depth article in like, you know, the ASC magazine or something is more interesting than like a quick two paragraph blip on it. Like you almost want to know a little more, right? you know, if you care about it and you're, you've come this far, right? um, maybe. I mean, it's the difference between an actor, um, you know, doing an interview on a, on a, on a nightly talk show. So they have seven minutes or whatever. Right. They have like two anecdotes and, you know, that they're very well prepared for. And it's all canned, you know, and I'm sure they don't like doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, maybe they have fun and they laugh a little or whatever. Right. But as far as like interviews go, it's not, you know. It's not in depth. You right. Know, like, yeah. And, you know, and I'm, I'm obviously not grilling anybody, but, you know, I want to find out a little bit about you. I, like, I found out a, a lot about you and I didn't ask a question. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I've asked you questions, but right. like, like I found out where you went to school and this and that just based on you talking. Right. You know, so I don't know. We, can, I don't want to get too <laughs> meta about all this. Like, <laughs> but, it's a little esoteric work. Well, a little bit. The... I mean, but, but you know, the, the, I true, I strongly believe that like, I can't do this in a half an hour, an hour. I mean, one of my, actually, I want to have him back. Because Josh Harrison was my first guinea pig, uh-huh. and his is an hour. And because it's too I short. Cu- right, and that yeah. guy's like, well, you only paid me for an hour, so we had to cut it. Right. And I don't know if it's too short or not, but we didn't really have an, a, a chance. So maybe I'll recycle through a couple of those guys. And- I mean, honestly, a lot, like there's a lot of them where there could be a version too. I mean. Sure. Like there's, I mean, and just think of how many conversations I've had with, you know, different operators over the years and like it's yeah i mean you there's always something different and there's a different way to sort of approach it there's just a yeah. lot of i mean it is a very you well know. anyone you know in your life 
before you trusted them or loved them or believed in them or you know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. felt those feelings you have for a human being. How long, how many hours did that take you of being around them, of experiencing them? Right. Not two <laughs> or three. You know what I mean? You spend real like time with people sure. to, to form relationships and learn about them. So like it stands to reason that like we could have this two hour conversation today and go, come back tomorrow. And meanwhile, both of us, we've been thinking about, oh, what, what do we talk about? Tomorrow we come back and have a whole different conversation. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Which is great. I feel like I'm capturing like a little bit of time with somebody. And it's all good, you know? And you get great stuff out of people. Just like you, I've been getting great stuff. You're looking at my... You're <laughs> I'm looking at your notes. You're looking down like at my notes. I'm trying to block people them. People to sleep. I'm like, no, we're not putting anybody... We're not putting anybody to <laughs> sleep. A dream for no. insomniacs. This is the medicine of the future. No, there, there were a couple of things I want to ask you about, though. Okay. And, and, I mean, whatever. You know what? There are things I want to talk about, If too. they don't like yeah. it, fuck them. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love my li I love my listeners, but um, but everybody, you know, we're it's a natural thing, and I think I don't. The thing is, when I say fuck them, everybody will laugh. I think because nobody take because they're all like, oh, that's interesting, or they'll get onto something better in a minute. Right. <laughs> Either you're on board or you're not. Yeah, that's my yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I think. I mean, not that I would shun anybody, but you know, you know. Um, you can't just listen to one episode and get the whole thing. Right. So anyway, I, I think I've really loyal people and I love that. That's awesome. I'm shocked at how loyal you've been <laughs> with the amount of time you work, you know, I appreciate it. You know, but it. that's, I honestly like the work time is when I listen to it, it's on the drive in or, right, or at home, right, right, right. you know, I'll put it on and it's, uh, it's, I mean, not always the right thing. Sometimes you need the time to catch up on news or phone calls or with family or, or quiet or whatever. Yeah, sure. But sometimes you do need a little dose or a little inspiration or a little antidote or a little humor and, nice. and, and like kind of relative to what you do. And it's it's awesome for that. I think it's great. And then Nice. I was just shocked you came in talking about <laughs> Lila's interview and Anthony's interview and all these different people. I was like, right on, man. It, like super <laughs> legit. Okay, we can stop talking about me because I feel like we're talking about me. But you did a tv show that seems interesting because it's it's bo willimon who did uh, uh oh the first House of cards yes the first right yeah. what's and it's sean penn yes so is it the first people going to space that's the yes so it's kind of a well, going to mars oh okay so, so it's the first people going to mars so it's not a right stuff kind of it right thing it's no, a it's newer like, it's like newer and it's the right stuff it's too. Set, like near future cool. like 2030 right kind of thing yeah. And how was it? Um, it was a it was an awesome experience. I mean, it was a, a show we did uh, in New Orleans at the end of it was twenty seventeen into twenty eighteen, I think. And it was like six months or something. And um, it was cool. It was, just, it was oh that long ago? I mean like a Has year. Has it aired? It was a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, but... it's aired, it's on Hulu. Well, whatever oh, you want to call shit, it. It's, it's on Hulu. Yeah. That's why I don't know about it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have Hulu. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I mean, that's the thing now. But actually, I mean, being on... Uh, Wait, side, side, side note. Do you have all the things? Do you have Netflix, Amazon, Hulu? Uh, about to I be just, Apple. 
I just unsubscribed from a bunch or reduced my subscriptions because you don't have time, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you're like too busy doing stuff to see right. it all and you're paying. If you add it all up, I cut a bunch it's of a subscriptions. Again. Some of it was software. Some of it was, um, like online things different, you know, whatever. And it was, I was like a savings of like $684 a year. And right. that was like not major stuff. It was just like, oh, like 10 bucks here, five bucks here, this right. like whatever. And it all adds up. Yeah. And a friend of mine, another operator I was like carpooling with was telling me that. And I was like, ah, yeah, but it's only five bucks. He's like, dude, it adds up. Do the math. And right. I went in and I looked at stuff and I was like, oh, am I really using this as a matter? And you can always like re-up, right? Like if there's a show that you really want to see or something, I mean, that's sort of the design of it, you know, is that you can check back in and check out and like right. you know and like the, if you, you they know. don't want you to do that though no they don't but <laughs> but it's like but, but so, it's the structure now and it's just well my is. thing is the structure what they've done is broken the structure into smaller pieces so now right. we have a cable bill but we pay it to six different people right right so i actually have cable so cable hbo showtime netflix amazon but yeah, now like 150 a month. I, those are what I, that's what I have. It's more than that. <laughs> that's what I have. <clears throat> and then, um, and then now Hulu, of course, right. Which I, I almost have gotten Hulu cause they have the handmaid's tale. And right. the first looks really interesting too. Actually. I didn't know it was, you on. should check it out. It's Adam stone, the same uh, DP uh, that did. Right. You know, I thought, hey, okay. Um, you know, all the Jeff Nichols movies and stuff. Cool. Yeah. Um, and we shot a large format on that, uh, the, the DXL. Um, oh, you shot DXL? Yeah. And a crazy set of lenses that Dan Sasaki had sort of set up for Adam. And it was it was awesome. I mean, actually, it was a really great spending like six months, like really like immersed in like a large sensor. It was fascinating to, to kind of feel the difference. It, it is a little different where you put the camera relative to the you know the actors and the subjects and what like lens choices you make and, and, and everything. It's It has a... It has a different, um, a different feel. That's, um, I mean, it's really cinematic. I mean, it harks back to like you know, it's like two thousand one, and um, you know, were you shooting Lawrence like eight K or six K or? Yeah, it was eight K. I think. Wow. You know, giant. What which lenses? Uh, their Panavision. It was a, like some crazy set that. Were they like sets. modded sixty five lenses or something? It was a whole mix. It was system sixty five. It was old sixty five. It was like some thirty fives that were opened up. You know, like a, just a total like like Adam really just sat down with Panavision and put together a set that he thought was appropriate for like the look of it. And but so the glass was all different. I mean, it is, but it was like it made sense he matched them like still, the or? sets yeah and okay. a lot of that stuff i mean things that used to matter like immensely like if there was a little bit of a magenta shift to a lens or like one lens is a little warmer or cooler or something like that stuff doesn't matter as much because you can you can go in and tweak like really precisely balance that now it's yeah. more about um you know the lenses give a lot of the personality now that you have these chips that are more or less fixed and so you don't have film stock and random grain and and all of that and so the lenses you know become a big part of the personality of the camera and you know so finding and you know not every i mean we actually had duplicates of lenses like we had a you know like a 55 that was like kind of a little sort of like vignetted on the edges and was a little crazy with flares and stuff and then we had like a 50 or something that was uh that was a little sharper or whatever depending on like if you were doing like more of like a landscape thing and you didn't want it to look super funky like an old you know, Tessar mm, Civil mm-hmm. War photo or something. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, to not be like distracting with it. So there was, I mean, it was very purposeful and 
it was amazing. I mean, you, you know, it's, it's incredible. I mean, you're just, you're pretty close to the actors on, on, you know, with large format on like a relatively, I mean, like, you know, like a 55 or a 75 or, you know, some whatever, but then you have this huge field of view and it actually really replicates, I think, again, like the, um, the human perspective. I mean, like, you know, optically we have, we see a lot of like, like detail. It's almost like a, like a long lens, but then we have this huge like peripheral vision. And so Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, large format is a really sort of accurate representation of that. And, uh, it's, it just has, it also just has a very kind of like, like painterly sort of cinematic feel to it. And I don't know if that's just cause that was how like, you know, 2001 and Lawrence of Arabia and, you know, whatever were, were made. And that's how, what we associate with it. Or if that's generally like, there's some other sort of visual. There's been a lot of like, I've heard a lot of online articles that some in depth research and talking about like really technically exhausting uh, details, but it's about what? About like lenses in large format yeah. and comparing to like, you know, like sort of, you know, no, quote unquote, like normal or 35 size chips and, and all of that. And, you know, like these you know, different people, different theories about this is different or this is not. And like kind of, mm-hmm. you know, but and you get these different like camps where people just kind of dig in their heels and have a feeling one way or the other or something. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, it, it's really it's just sort of about the like how it connects to the characters in the story, right? And and what it like you know emotion it evokes and with that and for the audience. And so, yeah. um, it's funny like control wise, like this used to be a whole thing where you you know you can control the image to the screen essentially because mm-hmm. you you've sent out a print <laughs> right and now dps are like not only can i not control the image because so many producers do what they want on it which right i guess they own it so whatever but but like dps do not have the final say on look the look of everything all the time am i correct or no i think you're i think that's true uh, and, and then I, beside i'm sorry beyond that then you, you have the tv set oh, yeah, and whatever people set. have their tv set up looking like a with motion smoothing on it and it oh, looks right. like a soap yeah. opera and it's like <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it looks like shit by the time like it looks great and then it gets to them and they're like why does this look like shit right. and it's their fault you know <laughs> No, yeah, it's, but there's certain, yeah, sure. You can have the stuff kind of totally out of whack. And there have even been, I think, campaigns lobbying to have the default settings on like TVs, you know, be more visually appealing and not yeah. just like set up for online gaming or sports or whatever, you know, like it's, or to even have like metadata encoded in the show so that if you're watching sports, it automatically it flips it to a it. higher frame rate and that's a great idea. refresh. But then when you're watching something that's a you know cinematic movie that was shot at 24 frames, basically that it like you know displays that it, that it, it displays properly. to that. So I mean, and, and I'm with technology now. Sure, you could do that. Even commercials could be one thing, and the show could be another, and it would all just quick switch. Yeah, because it's just I mean, it's just software, right? That's a great idea. So, it's not mine, but I, know. I agree. It's a great idea. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> no, they they should do that. I've I've fixed more than one friend's TV. As a matter of fact, my friends who own the Fat Dog all have. I mean, have, uh, TVs and sports bars, like kind of whatever. You're just oh like, this my is God, unwatchable. You can't take it. <laughs> like, we went to lunch. We were prepping this movie at Panavision <laughs> Hollywood, and we went to lunch at the Burger Bar at the Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. No, it was a different place. But anyway. Um, we were sitting in there and we're like, no, no, no. <laughs> what are you guys doing with your TVs? 
And they're like, what? And we're like, let us help you. Like, the whole camera department's in there. <laughs> I'm like, give us the remotes. We'll fix these. Yeah, into the deep menus, right? Right. And then they're like, oh, that looks so much better. How'd you do that? And we're like, just uh, just leave it that just way. leave it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The large format's cool, too. Like, it has a different... I mean, it's it's everything's magnified. I mean, when I first... The, Actually, I've done a, a pilot with the DXLs before that, um, uh, before that show. But the the first really gave me time to like just intimately sort of sit with the format every day and kind of digest something new as you're like kind of working something out on the dolly or or steady camera or whatever. And the it's you know because you know for something that you'd normally be on a on a wider lens you're on a longer lens like everything is in, inherently sort of like magnified a bit and so like the movement everything feels much. Like you can't be as sort of willy nilly with your movement. Like if you're shooting with like a 16 millimeter size sensor or something, you know, you can almost do it all handheld because it sort of absorbs a lot of that. You're on these like really, you know, really wide lenses and things. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. as you get into like larger and larger chips, like you end up, you know, wide stuff is even still a a wide, right. It's a wide lens, but it's like, there's some magnification there. And so you feel that you feel that when you boom, you feel that when you pan and tilt or, or move the steady cam through space and you kind of, I feel like there's some, there has to be some like awareness of that hmm. because it affects, it's just sort of this subtlety with the, the grammar of it. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it, you know, I mean, anamorphic sort of has a bit of that too, you know, although it's only magnified in the, you know, the one, the one axis. Like, right. It's, it's just a little different and not like better or worse. It just has a different feel. And um, right. when I first had it, I was like, God, I was like, what am I like my, like, these, like these, like my steady cam is like gone to shit. You know, it's like terrible. And you realize like, no, no, like, we're just on like, we're doing something that would normally be pretty wide, like on a, you know, 75 or something, mm-hmm. you know, but yet you're seeing the world and all this horizon and everything. And so, right. Where it'd be like a 28 mil and now it's a 75. I mean, it's probably not that like, the math isn't quite that, but it's, isn't yeah. It? I don't isn't know. it though? I don't know. Uh, yeah, and I don't know how to do. <laughs> I don't know how to do the K math, whatever yeah. that is. The eight K. I don't know how right. to do that math. I forget. Um, yeah, but it's a big day. I get it. It's a it's you know, a but it, and that has a different. It just inherently has a different feel, and I I, I guess that. Like part of that, I think, is the gravity that you feel in a movie like you know two thousand one or Lawrence of Arabia or something, where you pair that. You know, you pair like a really physically heavy camera on a big, massive dolly or crane with a format that really like shows the movement. And all of a sudden this camera moving through space has such a like it moves with such a gravity and purpose. And mm-hmm. that's like translated to the screen, you know, and you marry that with like, you know, like the production design and lighting and everything else. And it just has such a it just has such a gravity to it that you just don't feel if you make you can move the same distance holding an iPhone and it will not feel the same. Right. You know, it just doesn't. So, but it's cool. It's fun. You know, all this stuff is like, it keeps it interesting, right? No, that is interesting. <laughs> and I, you know, I haven't worked with the DXL yet. Is that your only experience or did you? No, I did a, um, I did this, uh, uh, SWAT pilot with it when it was in its kind of more primitive stages. And, um, I got to say to Pan, oh, that's a show now, right? SWAT? It's a show now. It was, a uh, Justin Lin did this pilot and, and, uh, um, it was it had it was a little buggy and it had some stuff, but I gotta say to Panavision's credit, like they really wanted the input from the set, from the the DP and the operator mm. and assistants and and everybody and like and they took that stuff and then when I like, how was it for handheld? Oh, it's fine. I mean, it's other than you know things are magnified because it's large format. Like it's actually it's a little lighter than an SXT and um, 
I love and I love the eyepiece on it. Like I mean, not compared to I mean, film is still. I came up through film, so looking through an optical viewfinder is amazing. But the optics on, you know, the Panavision viewfinder, they're just the re- the eye relief is so generous and off angle and everything that it's like you can do twelve hours on it and your eye doesn't feel like it's going to explode. Really? Whereas on yeah, you know, if you look at you know, a lot of the other viewfinders and you kind of like, you know, you move your head just like a millimeter, all yeah, of a sudden it like the focus of vignettes or you get color fringing or something crazy happens. And that like leads to just like eye exhaustion and fatigue. And mm-hmm. it's really, you know, at the, especially at the end of the day when you don't have the ability to like quickly adjust and like recorrect for that. And the, like the like the eyepiece that, you know, the Panavision's kind of that has evolved. Um are it you, just it has these like primo optics that are, I mean make it big. I mean sometimes it's you know you have to put the motors on the dumb side of the camera because you need to you know for handheld it has to be the the front of the eyepiece is touching the map box basically, but your eye is where it normally is. It's right kind of near the film plane. Well, it's just such a long eyepiece, but the mm-hmm. but the optics are so kind of bright and sharp and generous and forgiving with angles and stuff that if it's that wrong, was my point about the about the handheld. So you do have to do what, like the F fifty five trick. If you have a heavy lens on it, you have to jam the the eyepiece up. I to mean, the map sort box. of. It depends, you know, a lot on your map box and lens and stuff. I mean, I uh, like I my recollection was the handheld setup with it was pretty um, was pretty great. Okay, even on the even on the SWAT pilot, it was pretty great. And I had um, Simon England was was my focus puller, and he like he, we got it dialed in actually awesome to the point where i think the, the dp so- used our camera at some point and it was like oh man this thing is so like because we just spent some time to really like tweak it and make it balanced yeah, and nice yeah. and just like just ever so slightly i like a handheld camera just a little front heavy um i find that if you make it totally neutral it's really squirrely it's like having a totally neutral steady cam like you just don't want you know, like, cause then you're fighting like back and forth. Like you can't, like if it's just a little, I mean, it's probably like tiny, a, tiny it's bit. a tiny bit. It's probably, I'm, it's probably like a you. pound and a half or something, I'm you know, it's you. just yeah, thus yeah. the littlest bit of positive feedback. Like one finger. Yeah. Can hold it up. No exactly. Problem, right? Yeah. It's not I'm straining you. you. It's not pulling your neck muscles just or your tiny, shoulder. It's right. just a little bit forward. And you don't want it to not want to go somewhere. Right. You don't want it to be confused if you breathe. It wants to go right, and you. I mean, you, and you I also want to balance it so what it wants to find sitting on your shoulder it wants That's to find level horizon too. Right, so that it's not like way over to of the course, right or to the left course. or something. Then you're people, just fighting that, and it's miserable. <laughs> the worst thing. Okay, this is what assistants <laughs> always. This is what assistants always do, and um, they don't think about it. They just automatically grab the monitor. That's been on the camera in dolly mode or whatever and right. they shove it all the way forward and they flatten it out or or, or they hang it off the side <laughs> they hang it off the side whatever it's less now than it used to be because they all pull off them separate monitors right but they would always like hang it off of the side and you're like like fighting it the whole time and you're like please no like put it on the plane of the middle of the of yeah. the camera or if it's right heavy put it a little left you yeah. know it's okay or put it off the back or do whatever it makes right, sense to right. do Just if you have it, to have it right if, it, if it's super front heavy put the monitor off the back right um, and I always it's again it's so much less than it used to be now they just yank it off most of the time yeah they're all on like a cinelock and you just boom two, right. two cables and a lock click done but, yeah they spin off the thing or not the, even or it's the quick release and just you know, oh yeah 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 you're right just, you you're know, right done. exactly right yeah, yeah yeah god think about how great things are like with the cinelocks and compared to how they used to be it's funny you know I remember 
remember when I was coming up. Like, Everything's like cheese plate now. It's some like, like a or something. Oh, back in my day, like I was the second and the loader and this and that and whatever. And they're like going on about like how we have, you know, uh-huh. all these people and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, but back in your day, there was like one camera, two lenses and three mags, you know, like it wasn't like any get like on any, like every body now has got a Preston three motors, like two onboards, you oh, know, yeah. a complement of batteries and, you know, cables and accessories. And each camera's got two or three map boxes and, and different grips and two sides and of rods and Cinetip, maybe a light ranger or like whatever. Like there's all yes. like, it's so yeah. Wireless, you know, video, like a there's just sniper a, on it. Right? Yeah, there's yeah. just like a ton of stuff and yeah, it's, yeah. it is, it's complicated. There's a lot. And as a credit to like, I mean, the assistants and and, and metal houses and stuff are figuring out like ways to make that more like ergonomical and user friendly and I mean we're still you know we're all like radiating our brains with all this wireless but it's just I don't know yeah you know, it is what I don't know yeah what yeah. <laughs> right um, no but it's incredible I mean think about how much is going on like with that. You know that, yeah. cam- that modern camera now. The and, amount and, uh, of technology in that one little area, and yeah. I mean, I don't know. What do you think most? What's the average camera cost that you have on your shoulder when you're doing like a I handheld mean the, shot? The bodies have think come down it. a bunch in price, but lenses have gone way up, way and up. Um, and all the accessories have gone way up. So I mean, I assume it's always at least. I mean, it's at least a hundred grand. You know, at least, and probably more. I mean. Depending Most on, bodies are like fifty or something, no? Or I mean, I think, I mean, depends on what it is. Probably ninety, you know, for like big stuff, SXTs, DXLs. I'm imagine like they're probably ballpark that, and then oh, you know you can have lenses. You got two hundred on there. Leicas you got a press stuff on it. That that's thirty, are, 30 you know, to forty k. Primo is thirty grand, and, right? You know, yeah, yeah. A Master Prime is thirty forty grand, right? Yeah, yeah that of adds course. up. You got two hundred on your shoulder, like. Without even adding all the little cables. Yeah. I mean, but the film cameras were that too. I mean, you'd have... Oh, yeah. You know... The difference with the film cameras is there was so little um, comparison to other stuff. Like, like when they would say, like... I remember people saying, like, oh, Panavision camera, that's worth a million dollars. And I'm like, yeah, because they say it is. <laughs> You know what I mean? But like, it was, I mean, stuff was expensive. I mean, no. the cameras you could buy. And it buy, totally was. I mean, but an, when you an, make Ari, something, an AriCam mag new from Ari was like 12 grand or something. Right. Or 535 mag or whatever the hell. But when like you make was, something by hand. Well, it's all made. I mean, that's the kind of the thing with like, that's like the joke of like, oh, it's like a screw's like, you know, you know, like 50 cents. But if it's a filmmaking screw, it's like $15, right. you know, it's, but it, there's, there's some truth to that, but also not like it's all this stuff is pretty like pretty precision, Most basically, of the time basically it, aerospace medical grade, yes. but like without the quantity or backing of a government contract right. and or the medical of, industry. And so you have this super precise, high end, like custom eclectic equipment that has to perform and you have to have redundancies and backups and, and it's got to be able right. to go from negative 40 to 140 right, and right, you know right. all of this stuff and yeah. all these requirements and and most of the time that that 15 dollars screw there's a reason yeah and it's still overpriced but there's a reason it well, should be 10 dollars steady cam screws like i mean like i know pro and like greg bub and xs and like i mean they made all of those you know because they yeah they you know and i don't know if it was taken from a like a base part or whatever, but they were specced in like a high, like a high grade of stainless steel. Mm-hmm. They were milled with like a flatter, you know, head that was a lower profile. They had, right. you know, the threads were, um, you know, turned down like toward the neck of it. So it'd kind of be a keeper screw yes. if you had the right plate. I mean, all that stuff. And so right. you're like literally hand making screws, but that, that's my, <laughs> that's why they're, yeah, but that's my point. Yeah. That's my point. There, there, there's a reason they're that expensive. 
Right. But most of the time, they're still a little overpriced. <laughs> but, but you know, people need to make a profit, too. So yeah. it's okay. But... Um, but you you get my point. Oh yeah, for like, sure. Yeah. yeah, the fifteen could be thirteen really easily. <laughs> like you know, um, but uh, but honestly, like I don't find a lot of gouging among, unless it's a big company. I don't find people gouging for gear, especially in the Steadicam world. I don't think no, and I think there's a like it's a they have hefty profit margins, but it's only because they sell like. 12 of some things you right. know what i mean a year or it's whatever super, yeah it's all really whatever. limited runs and right. that's all custom most of it is literally one-off yeah like they don't oh let's set the press up to make 12 of them again like they they start pulling do parts a, you, out of a box and they yeah, put them together you, by hand you do a run and there's all hand built and it's all hand, right you know i mean they make parts like that but not like building a sled or whatever yeah it's done by hand oh yeah like, yeah, it's built like a Rolls Royce. <laughs> I mean, yeah, literally, and, literally, and costs as much, <laughs> right? You know, no, but with yeah, with good reason. And it's you know, it's a testament to the gear. I mean, you're talking about doing like movies in remote locations and stuff. And I remember thinking after Mud, you know, I had this the pro sled in just the sand and and rain and in the dust and mud, mud. Right. and uh you know my preston and um at the time it was a it was analog so it was a can of trans uh, you know from lent equip and uh. all this stuff that was just built and you know most everything in pelican cases which i i chose pelican cases for all my gear which i have a lot of for anything i could fit in a pelican um if you ever had a chance to watch lost in la mancha the making of like Terry Gilliam making a Don Quixote movie. I saw that in the theater, <laughs> and you, yeah, I did too. And you see like the flash flood and the sea of sound and camera cases just floating, floating away, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> these, I, my gear probably needs to be waterproof, and <laughs> at least for transport, yeah, and, and have a fighting chance. And well, when you get off the airport in who knows where, well, yeah, or it's, and it's, it's pouring a, rain, or it's cargo and it's on a pallet sitting on a tarmac, or like a freight company offloading stuff. Like it's all, yeah, you're. I mean, you're, you know, you're going out of the but I remember right. coming back from it and everything was filthy, you know, it needed to be clean and some a few things needed just a little love and some service that I couldn't do. But I love that. I love the dirt and shit on mine. No, it's I, great. I never wiped but it what I, I remember thinking like this, like clearly thinking that I felt really like validated that I had made some quality choices that I had ah. chosen equipment and brands that like not only held up to the elements but performed as well as they do on a dry clean sound stage right. in those elements and just didn't let me down and not only that but like you know i came back and it gets like stuff gets cleaned or serviced or whatever and then i mean a lot of that a lot of those components and gear like i'm still using them that was yeah. 2011 so right. i mean you know the old you get what you pay for you and there's a reason that the the things are are built to that like level and that quality and and uh yeah i mean you know right yeah and it's an extension of you i mean literally and physically and and, and well if your stuff whatever. breaks all the time you look bad yeah yeah well and it's also i mean do you you know you when you want to like do like some tricky wrap around and come through like a corridor and around a cubicle thing this and that like you you know you want to you know like equipment that will that is not hindering you but enhancing like and helping you to be predictable i mean my sort of thing was that i i i I try to always have with all of my gear, like I always want it functioning in like, like sort of call it like this zero state where basically it's totally, it's totally like predictably operational to the point where if there's a problem, I don't have to question it. I know it's like something with the environment or me. 
and it eliminates it's like one less thing that you have to troubleshoot and like kind yeah, of worry about because you you just like like if something's super weird and funky and it's off like i don't you know i don't my first reaction isn't thinking like it's my gimbal oh the slide sucks right. right yeah it's like oh no there's like is there a weird wind or did i like it's an extra like bumping me at this point or is right, there something right. or am i gripping it like an idiot like is there you know right and if you have you know if you have everything sort of dialed into that point and you just roll you know there's a reliability to it so yeah of course yeah that's good all right well i, I want to ask you you used to be a first for a while for a little while yeah and i mean like on indie stuff you know i never i think the biggest thing everyone in on was like day playing on c camera on like collateral or something but um pretty big <laughs> you're like well i didn't really no. <laughs> i did indie stuff like michael mann movies <laughs> no 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 i mean it was like there are guys i mean it's not you know because those you know the people that did those day in and day out you know it's like the like the john grillo's and and richie messino's and stuff that like kind of like endured all of that like that's uh, you know a different, grillo oh yeah. Yeah, yeah and 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 like it's just a different you know we did it we did a movie together as operators oh and cool then, and then when i did preacher he was the main unit dp i was doing second but yeah um, I bounced over a, co- a couple times. He's a good dude. Yeah. Um, very, very um, sober. I don't know if that's the right word. Very calm. Even keeled. Even keeled. Yeah. Weather yeah. the storm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Never, never too excited. I like that about him. Um, but no, so it was But wait, hang small on. There's stuff. one I wanted to ask you <laughs> okay. about. A small thing. Okay. Stop looking. <laughs> I can't I'm read just it kidding. I'm down just anyway. kidding. I know it's a, it's a documentary called the the Devil and Daniel Johnston. Yes, and it's a great documentary. It is. What year was that? I'm trying to remember. Uh, like 05 or something. 04, maybe 05. Okay. It came out probably 05. We probably worked on it in 03, 04. It went on for quite a while, and we would shoot in chunks. You know, we'd go to Austin for mm. three or four days. We'd shoot on soundstage somewhere in LA for a few days. We'd kind of bounce around. The director Jeff Fiersig and uh, the DP Fortunato Procopio. They're really great, and they had a, like a real clear vision for it. It was super cool. Like we shot, we shot on sixteen. I think it was SR threes at the time. Oh, really? I don't think the four sixteen was out. And, nah, not that early. Yeah. And we would take. I mean, it was a documentary, but it was. I mean, it was a film, and it was super well crafted. Like we would do yeah. these shots. I remember one in particular where it's a shot of a, a compact disc, like a jewel case that a CD would come in, right? Uh huh. Yeah. And it starts out full frame, but rotating. And, and as the shot progresses, the shot that you see is this compact disc rotating, falling away from the lens, and it lands, it's spinning in like a controlled fashion, it lands on a giant pile of like other compact disc jewel yeah, cases. Yeah, yeah. And we did that practically. Uh, we basically took a uh, like an SR3 with, you know, we had a set of like airy macros on a stage and, you know, started with this you know disc super like you know cranked in on the macro like super somebody's close like to the lens. spinning it around no we had underneath we had a table that was like a four by eight sheet of plywood with a hole drilled in the center of it there was a dowel rod that came up through the center of it that had this compact disc mounted on it the dowel rod went down through the table was attached to a variable speed like a motor that would rotate the dowel rod and make the disc look so like you know the, j- the case was spinning yeah and then that whole assembly was on the boom of a dolly Get so we would boom. It was like a Fisher 
10 or 11 or whatever and we would someone would boom the dolly down and that would make the disc and look like it was following it. and stop it and it would land and they would time it with someone on the motor who would cut the motor off to land so like facing the lens anymore, and it right. would be right on the thing and you know you had to rehearse it and it was a tricky it sounds really hard but once you do it it's probably like after a few you yeah have you the hang do a few it. and you and then you work it, it out and you get right. like oh we want it to land so you can read the writing and you want it to start right. so you can uh, read the maybe writing it's and it this way a little or yeah right, and yeah, like yeah. all of that but it's and i feel like all like everything was given pretty much that like care and consideration which was just super cool like you just like anytime i mean no matter what it is a documentary like a big movie small movie you know commercial anything like it's always exciting being a part of something where there's just a everybody like cares. a cool vision and everyone yeah. cares like yeah. and and you know and you see like you get kind of everyone pushes everyone else to just you know do something a little greater and a little more interesting and it's i don't know that's fun it's one of the cool things about but yeah that was a neat project i didn't i mean i think it went on for like a couple I mean, they must have shot for like a year and a half or almost two years. Oh, and shit. I, I did a good chunk of it. I didn't do, I don't think I, I mean, I wasn't there for every single thing, but, um, but yeah, that was super cool. That was a neat one. Well, it's kind of a legendary documentary now. Film, so. film. I mean, how great that that was film. Yeah. Like, especially at the time with the other options of what you'd have had. It just like, I don't know, like yeah. aesthetically also, you know, with film, like, I and mean, then now you would just, you know, You'd do that same. Maybe if you do that same shot practically in camera, say you weren't going to do it, you know, in post with digital, like make the disc spin or any of that. You know, we just we rehearsed it. I mean, you'd and spend, it didn't really cost spend, you much. You spend time setting it up and you spend time rehearsing it. And then when right. everyone was kind of getting in sync, you start rolling on them. You right. Know, and you get, you know, and then you get a. But it didn't really cost you much money. A little bit of time. Right. But like, if you're gonna build that in post later, excuse me probably gonna cost way more no i don't know i mean i don't i, don't I have know. no idea what those costs are <laughs> i think cgi stuff but it I also just no has clue. a different look and a different feel and i think part of the documentary is that everything is so sort of like you know it's about you know this kind of you know like all, this artist and all this other artist that he like had an influence on and just the kind of like these very sort of tangible crafted things and so mm. everything that we did was very like yeah. in camera and tangible like it was you know and it sort of just looks and feels away a certain way because it was of very that. diy yeah and it was and it was and it's very like real like nothing I, you know i don't know did you get into his music while you were there i mean did you spend a lot of time around him i didn't do a ton of stuff with him but because of that and because of trying to understand what we were doing i mean i got to listen to a lot of his stuff and a lot of these like audio tapes and it's really good and it was super interesting <laughs> i mean it's it's interesting because somebody with like some issues I mean he had more than issues, you know. Yeah. He had big problems, but but it it's funny, it's 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 like you lose something in one place and you gain it in another. Right. You know, it's almost like a autism thing, like like um you know, an autistic kid that's really great at math but has trouble communicating verbally. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Right. Like, there's something to that. It's like, it's almost like there's a hundred of whatever we have, whatever it is that makes us up. And like, some of them go here, 30 go here, and 30 go there, and 10 go there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. and like, in some people, one goes where 10 should go. Yeah, it's out of balance. And then but, 50 but go it, where 30 should go. because of that, you have the, the resources to do so much more in this you get the brilliant like music. artistic vein. Yeah. Right. And then you lose the, you know, 
day-to-day yeah functionality or or social social etiquette or any of it yeah yeah right it's really interesting I would have loved to work just for those reasons. I would have loved to work. <laughs> I'm interested in that stuff. It's cool, right? Yeah. I mean, um, because those people aren't any less. I mean, in a certain way, they're not even handicapped or disabled or whatever the proper terminology is. But like, because they're so much more advanced than me on on this level. You get what I mean? Oh yeah. Like. I'm disabled compared to them on this level. Musically or whatever. Right. And they're disabled compared to me (laughs) on this other level, you know, or whatever it might be. Like, I I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense or not. That just goes through my head. (laughs) You're looking at me like, (laughs) I I don't know what you're talking about. I think it's relative, you know, it's relative to like sort of whatever you call a social standard or social norm or something. And it's, yeah, but it's interesting, like kind of exploring like outside of that, you know? Yeah. And I mean, again, that's one of the cool things that we get to do. Like we get to, you know, we get to meet these eclectic, weird, interesting people and we get to go and to a places. lot of smart artistic. Oh people. yeah. And right. Yeah. It's just, it's even cool. not necessarily in front of the camera, but behind the camera, like some interesting stuff. Okay. Look, we're, we're, we're getting, we're getting long here Uh-oh. and I know there's something you want. You just bought something. I did. I bought a volt. Yeah. Okay, Steadicam Volt. Okay. And yeah, I'm trying to think of how You're, to. You have a pro sled. I have a pro sled. Okay. And I had, there's two ways you could do that. You can get an M1 gimbal that's like with the Volt all ready to go, just drop in kind of thing. Or you can take your pro gimbal and have it converted like they swap. Um, oh, they'll con- convert your pro gimbal to? Yeah. That? I mean, oh, basically, I like there's, you get a bunch of parts back that they don't use, you know, and enough to um, basically build a like another gimbal like they don't use your pan bearing housing they don't use your yoke because they have to you know put the whole you know the volt mechanism yeah, 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 on there sure. and stuff but um yeah and i'm it's i i actually got it in the middle of hobbs and shaw and it's really pretty amazing it's it's interesting i mean i've been sort of obsessed with i mean even for when like gimbals you know were coming out and then like the ar and 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 trinity and all these different ways of like moving and stabilizing the camera and stuff and i feel like like there's a um i mean they're all sort of different and they all have their their strengths and weaknesses but mm-hmm. i feel like as far as normal steady cam goes you know which is whatever now you know probably 90 some percent of like our like what we're tasked with that the the volt i mean more than 90 percent. yeah right? probably more probably yeah. 98 or something yeah, you know yeah. like how often are you going from like scraping the ground to the ceiling and it can't be a technocrane or uh whatever a jib arm or you know like there's it's like once every 10 years like yeah. absolute necessity but right that's i mean i guess well there's a lot of things like so i mean and garrett touched on a lot of this stuff like the volt comes at a relatively low penalty in terms of weight and it doesn't cost anything in terms of space above the gimbal and it allows you to keep you know for someone like myself or yourself that likes to fly like a more compact sled that isn't seven feet long like it lets you keep it in that same range um you know and and it's it's interesting it's weird I mean, you balance it totally neutral you know and so you're no longer walking with a pendulum you know you have this neutral sled and then the motors on the volt basically you know simulate the the bottom heaviness and maintain like a horizon or whatever but what's that brings up an interesting thing just to get off the just for a moment mm-hmm. we were talking about handheld and you want it to be a little front heavy yeah do you feel the same way about like balancing neutral cuz i've always felt now it's different with the volt on it 
but like balancing neutral previously i've tried it and it's a little squirrely oh yeah i, I mean i've never i've never flown the rig without the bolt you know full neutral. neutral you can't like it's just sort of all over the place well some it's people like used not, to advocate for that well i've flown i've messed around like so it's interesting you know when you think when you start out with steady cam i remember being like my the first uh full feature i did with it um and I got dialed in with like an SR3 and the batteries and like filters in my box up. And I just didn't want to change anything. And I was like right. mortified that changing lenses had a little bit of a shift on it, right. even though it was like so minuscule right, because right. you just like, you feel like you've got it and it's like set up and you are comfortable and it's whatever. And now like, I love messing around with different setups and configurations, sometimes to my own detriment or to the frustration of the ACs. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, I moved that press in the other side. And well, why do that? Well, I just wanted to see if I have a better sight line. Do you No, I totally screwed myself. Let's put it back on the other side. You know, like it's, kind of just like it's sort of interesting to play and kind of figure out all that stuff you're always and trying to perfect a little bit yeah and it's just kind of fascinating when you have like a bit more confidence and understanding with it you can you know uh just experiment a little bit more right. and so i've over the years have played around with drop times and ultimately like what's your drop time like i don't have one it depends on the shot and the lens and the wind and kind of everything else and if you're wearing gyros or not like if you don't know anything about the shot What's your drop time? If you know nothing about any of it. I mean, who's counting? Probably, I don't know, the whatever the, you know, the three second, three and a half second. Like it's a, maybe like, it's definitely bottom heavy, but a little maybe neutral. I if think you, can you get fit a, into the majority with if that you can answer. Get a, if you can get away with it, like a little more neutral because you don't have to fight to hold a frame as much, but yet it's still... It's still helping you, and it's not as squirrely. I'm more of like a two and a half second guy. Yeah, BJ was two like time, super two um, second guy, super like quick. Same with time. Ron. Ron was the one who was like, "Why don't you try a shorter drop time?" And and it's fun to mess with that, and it has like a different feel, and it's I think it's super cool that the uh, that the Volt lets you adjust that. Yeah, that's cool. The actually one of the I mean, other than like the the sort of we're talking about like the lack of penalties with the other things, one of the coolest things about the bolt is that it still really feels like Steadicam. And it allows you to be, you know, like we were talking about like that like the human perspective and stuff, it allows you to still be just as reactive and to like, you know, I mean one of the things that the Steadicam does best is like, you know, these like I don't know what you call it, like a come around where you're like wrapping around or wrap around an actor or a couple actors or something and like these like kind of controlled, mm-hmm. you know, moves in three D space with like a pan with the background moving. Yeah, like it's crazy. all like a big back pan and stuff. Sure. And the steady cam just because of the the physics of it and you know the the beautiful pan bearings and everything, it's really good at that. Yeah, you know, yeah. maybe more than anything else. Yeah. And um like the you know, the Volt is no exception to that. And what's one of the things that's super cool about it is that you know it's variable so one of the things i started playing with on it is that if you need if you're just like in the wind or like there's some crosswind or something and like the grip can't quite get in there with the double or they are but it's still being squirrely and whatever sure you can just give yourself a little more help on that roll mm-hmm. and it just holds it for you right, right but right. then if you know if it's starting to feel too mechanical or like there's not quite enough steady cam personality because you know like you talked about with other you know people on here like there's a personality to the shot and to the Mm -hmm. steadicam like the it's an important part of steadicam i think i do too and and you can adjust that and so the other thing that's interesting with the the more i talk to people about it the more (laughs) sold i'm getting well to be honest the other thing that's amazing about it is that with the volt because you can replicate the response and behavior of a heavier camera you can kind of make a stripped down mini feel like an XL2 hmm. because 
it's simulating that mass and bottom heaviness, but without the penalties of you having to carry that no extra way. 25 pounds or 20 pounds of weight and without, Interesting. you know, the problems that the pendular problems. That, I'm going to have to spend some time in this thing at NAB. It's super fun. I've, I mean, I've, I've, I've tried I'll, it twice. I would also say like two things that are like really shines with are landing whip pans like amazing yeah like it's just incredible like yeah, you're just yeah. like a superhero operator with it it's unreal you're like and suddenly you're neil bryant <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah well you have shout the, out to neil <laughs> hey, those guys i mean like or like brian preaches like, just like it's just like boom it's like you like man like i'm scared for these oh, guys turn, to get this turn stuff, the like. knob to brian preach level <laughs> you know you're like do and, i need a do i need a preach or a bryant and that and the other thing is like you know if you're doing a shot where let's say you started uh looking down at something you're overhead on like a map on a table and you're holding Uh, for a bit while like the actors are kind of pointing to it and then like you pull back and up and you find the actor in the frame and all of a sudden they come around the table and then you lead them down a corridor and then they come into a room and you sit them down in a chair like there's a bunch of different like angles and pieces in that shot and like do you the neutral works the whole way well and so well it's a lot of things like do you trim you know like with a traditional rig like do you you know where it's a bit bottom heavy do you trim for the opening so you can get a really beautiful smooth easy not fighting the rig you know on this overhead well no because you're tilted so far down for all the other stuff down the hall and the walk and talk on the sit down you're gonna have this way front heavy sled that sucks sure so do you just trim for whatever and so you kind of figure out this sort of that used to be a great thing about that motorized sl- uh, yeah and the motorized stage. stage was a way to kind of fix that was that like one of the only that was things one of the that great did. things that, starting up and or like i know up. haley like loved that and it was i did too he rocked the the hell out of it um but with this you know you can basically you know you can set your uh artificial you know like whatever you can set this is my zero and then during the shot it's just with a click of a button now this is the zero and you're holding perfectly trimmed headroom down the hallway and then you come into the room and land and boom so you, you click can it hit again. the button and reset your in zero real, in real time and so for mm. your your tilt level and all that's the, interesting and it's like such a great because you know it was a bit of an art and you figured out and like i mean obviously the you know the amazing operators like would figure out how to make all that work and do incredible things and i mean if you look at stuff or there'd like, be a little bobble at the beginning or at the end yeah or maybe but and even, it'd be I great mean, and it'd still be a great shot and it can be but even yeah. stuff I meaning like you look at like you know like sakamoto's work or like mcconkey or harhoff scott Just Sakamoto. <laughs> it's like wait a second no and like i mean like scott sakamoto has an incredible shot in road to perdition that you know like he's coming down for the, the mirror for one. the kill yeah and like yeah. overhead and he's dead down and then you know around and all this stuff and like uh, you know, however he trimmed it, like doesn't even look like a second right. shot. So it's not, it's not that any of this stuff is like that. You have to have it, but with like the pace of things, and, I know, and the demands, and of the demands, stuff. and also like, I mean, honestly, like I all, hate, all honest, of these tools are being pushed though, and not yeah. necessarily in a bad way. I'll I mean, be honest, I hate the idea of any of this stuff. I, I do, you know, I did too I do. initially, but, but I'm I, coming around. But I feel like uh, I, I feel like the volt. Um, I just feel like the Volt kind of nailed it. I mean, like like Jerry and Garrett and, and those guys just really, um, you know, and I should give a shout out to Ray too. Like, um, Yeah, Ray had to, you know, had like something. They're like, like sure. those, those guys just really like, you know, knocked it out of the park. And it's not, I mean, it's still, 
you know, not to knock it, but there, you know, like a version two where the motors are a little smaller and it's a little less, you know, like bulky and there's, mm. you know, maybe like whatever, but it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, mm. what it does, like I said, it comes at a very like low penalty okay. and if it totally fails, you can just shut it off and balance your sled and your right and work again like always you did, been. like you started right and all of these things i mean the wave and the volt and the trinity and all that stuff they still don't fix like i'm still not getting rid of my physical gyros like neil said like i'm a gyros guy and i've had mm. since mud i've had a like a gyro setup that keeps growing it's become like a like a like a was it like Marco Kane or whoever who had like you know this like huge case full of all these different sizes. You tell me the break and you have eights and sixes and fours. I'm I like, do. Oh my god! And, and I, the quads. And I mostly use the KS sixes. And I um, through some very kind like guidance from from Larry, I I mount them in like an X configuration at a 45 to the film plane or the lens axis and one goes on the bottom like like neil was describing like it replaces my lower battery plate under the post and then another one mounts on a plate on top and it's what the gyros do that uh none of the other sort of systems do is they give you um rigidity in the pan axis and so it's the only thing that if you're just fighting the wind, if you're dead, like if the wind is dead down the Oh, yeah, the we barrel, were talking about this before. Yeah. You can get this, you know, you get this chatter. And it, even if, you know, even if you pull the map box. It's, it's, a, it's more of a wiggle, wouldn't you say? Yeah. It's like well, a it's wiggle. this back and forth. It right. looks like almost like a registration issue or something right, like right, there's, right, right. you know. It's and this left to right panning Yeah, and it's because, thing. you know, the camera with the lens and the body, whether it's film and or HD box. and the map box and the batteries. <laughs> all, but it weather vanes, you know. Yeah, so yeah. as the wind shifts. And I remember, like, I got the KS8s because I was on a job in Puerto Rico and we were like coming around on like the front of like a grip tricks into the like on a tarmac and you come around this like airplane hangar and all of a sudden the wind picks up and like even with these sixes I'm like white knuckling this thing and it's still like the frame is just going all right. like, like all hell and and I was like well I guess that's why you need heavier you know right. it's the same size but they have um like tungsten weights instead of brass you know gyros for the eights or whatever. oh so they're and just heavier they're just heavier so it's got more so mass, it's more, more, more mass yeah. right yeah okay. and you know so i mean you never you never want to wear them i mean they're such a beast and and you know the gyros have their penalty you know they come at a great expense of weight and power sure. and noise to some extent although the sure. sixes honestly um i've used Bald- them baldwin used to talk about he would wind them up when he was working in new york all the time because the way the wind would hit through the buildings there and he'd wind them up even in dialogue scenes because right. exterior anyway and then he'd pull the plug on them and then wait 15 yeah. seconds and say okay let's do it yeah and they get way quieter and, right. and they still have because they a take lot like of 15 effect. minutes to spin down you know they're twenty thousand rpm or whatever right and the new ones especially. so they're working for most of his shot and if he goes like around a corner in new york city yeah. where the wind goes from nothing to like blasting on you right they're they're going so and, yeah, and it helps. I mean, it makes a difference. It's and it's smart. like you know, sometimes like, oh well, that should be like a Libra head on an arm on a car. But like, well, maybe yeah, you can't, sure. Maybe you can't fit that on the sidewalk, or maybe that's just not right. there. Or and maybe we only like, have two million dollars an episode. We don't. <laughs> this isn't a Marvel. But movie. But even on no. even on big movies, you end up sometimes just in a situation where it's impractical, right? You know, for whatever reason, and right. like it's better to be able to get it and have it. You know, I, I always just, lean towards like I have this, I can do it. Right. It may not be. It's like better to the have best. it and not need it than need it and not have it. And well, no, that's not where I was going. <laughs> I just meant like that's where I'm going. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I agree with you in principle on that. But but um, no, I mean like I always lean towards the like. Okay, look, I know the shot. 
it's going to be such a pain in the ass to like bring the head over and the arm and mount it on this and blah 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 blah. Right. Like, I, I can do a steady cam. And like the director's under pressure. He's like, "How long do you think this will take?" And it's like, you know what? I'll do a steady cam. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. As opposed to doing it the the more perfect but complicated way. And I'm sure there are people out there that are like that put their foot down and say, "No, absolutely not." We're doing it this way, and it's going to take two hours, and that's just the way it goes. And and you know that that's great. I just don't know that I can do that well, most of the time. Oh well, and so I mean, sometimes there's just a, like an impracticality to that. Even on that's, that's you know, what I'm saying yeah. like even on something you know, even on a Marvel movie, like you are against actor schedules, and you're against daylight, and you're against things right. that you know that nobody seemingly has. Like right. you just can't. You know, like what it would cost to do it the other way is just completely like untenable. And so like the gear may all be there. Right. The cost is it takes two hours. Right. And in two hours, it'll be dark out. And then you don't have a shot. And the rock is home already (laughs) or whoever's in the movie. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Or Liam, whatever. Yeah, it's uh, no, no. I get it. No, I always lean towards let's just get this shit. Well, that's you know, let's like, just do it. I think I was telling you earlier, like even like for my like the like mechanical for the Kenyan gyro setup, like it's something I try to get dialed in and prep so that the that's like, a smart like, thing. Like, yeah. You know, it's kind of what like Neil was saying. Like to put them on is super simple. Like you basically swap out a battery plate, clamp it to a thing that's already paint pinned on your plate on top of the camera. And you just like connect two cables, turn it on. And while that's happening, I swap out the canisters in my pro arm so that I have another set that's like pre-dialed to the heavier weight. Boom. So you don't two even screws have to in out. I don't even have to crank the springs and I'm like, you're your ready arm. to go. Right. And, you know, in most cases, I've, you know, the, the newer, the older gyros were like terribly loud and like imbalanced and stuff. And like the quality and the materials that Kenyon like have sort of like evolved with it. Ken Has Labs. the precision gone way up? Oh, yeah. And like yeah. now, like if you look at them now, like the housings are like they're machined and like the right. old ones were cast and they're just not as like. Right. You so know, they would chatter a little or make more noise. And, so, and right. You know, they're they're They are a lot quieter. And, and especially with them, the power switched off any situation where you'd need them, where it's that windy or you have vehicles or you have whatever, you can probably get away like the noise of the jars isn't what's killing you it's the it's the vehicles that are driving and the 50 people that are trudging down in the 30 mile an hour gust of wind wind or the helicopter that's hovering or like whatever like fill in the blank right right i mean most of ron's stuff that he was telling me that that brought this up was walk and talks but you're in new york city so it sounds like a cab honking a horn the whole time anyway right so like a little bit of or whatever it is i mean they're gonna adr some of it anyway probably and you know what i mean like, yeah or you just like yeah i mean you just kind of work it out with the sound guys to you know you just hey yeah, this is going to be and they're just you know maybe they take an angle that's a little more away from you and right pointed more directly the, away from the, the yeah the and it's thing. like yeah and then it just works and it's amazing how they can do that too oh, yeah. like yeah, yeah from where they mic it it it's really that, matters it's that the, the ballet behind camera with 20 people <laughs> walking in front of one i love that you know I, in some in so many ways like boom operators um, kick our ass because they have to point that mic in an, oh. an imaginary space from a long distance right at somebody's mouth. Oh, yeah. And know the dialogue and go back and forth and walk backwards behind us With like a without a spotter. Pole. Yeah. It can, it's like, unbelievable. It perpetually blows my mind if you see like a still or something. And I record- said, boom, guys, I've known some great boom girls, boom people. Yeah, me too. And <laughs> if you, uh, if you watch like a someone shoots a video of like kind of a little behind the scenes or you see like a still from it or something and you realize like what 
I mean, you know what you're navigating and like walking through with this, like your clearance and everything. And then you see like with this 20 foot pole and ducking door jams and like oh, yeah. all this. And it's just, I mean, it's that. And managing whole, to get good sound while doing oh, yeah. all that. It's crazy good. It's crazy well, that's, good. It's part of, and we sort of touched on this. Maybe it was off mic, but it was, um, you know, just doing, doing, uh, like kind of favor jobs or things like I had a, I had a real, like I had an experience a few years back, uh, doing a favor where I was very like humbling and realized that how sort of like to do really great, I mean, camera work in general, it's just such a, it's such a team sport. Like there are so many people involved with it. There's a great focus pull, a great dolly grip. There's a great second, like keeping you guys, you know, set with whatever, you know, this and that. And you've got, you know, it's like a whole, like, you know, team of people that are like immediately or secondarily like involved in this whole process. And, and, um, you get to a certain point and you just get used to like a certain standard of like, you know, like, like a dolly group that can anticipate an actor or a, you know, a boom operator that can, you know, navigate some complicated thing and stay out of your, the reflection and not hit the intent on top of your rig and all this other stuff. And so it's I, really, I gotta, I gotta t- tell you, you've spent some time in Chicago. Just a very little bit. I oh, did okay. like a pilot there a couple years ago. Oh, okay. Well, I was on a show there for a while on Empire, and um, the 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 boom operator there, Eric Anthony, Anthony, Eric Anthony. That's the right name. Yeah, unbelievable. Really young guy, but really great. Yeah. Really great. Not only a nice human being who became my friend, but so good like he knew what was up with me like he paid attention to what i was doing like so he knew what he could do and not fuck me up and also what he could do and help himself oh i love that i love that rapport even like i mean a a couple you know some great boom ops and like like a good a good friend of mine sad day it was i think he's out of austin but um he's in a bunch of like the david green movies and stuff and he like he and i would like look at each other before a take like as they're calling like you know roll sound and like we just kind of just give each other a once over to make sure that we're ready and right. like if you see him like like oh this is a tricky thing he's yeah. got to shoot his pull yeah, yeah, way yeah. out like i'll, I'll see him like, going for it you just hold on and right. you're like okay like yeah. then you call set or like he sees like right. he's scrambling to fix some like reflection or a picture that got kicked or something that's like doing an awful kick in the lens and you're just like you know they just pause and wait a second just yes. to give that sound yes. speed and it's just all yes. you're just kind of like looking out for each other and it is it's this sort Hell of yeah. beautiful like because there used to be this dance. battle with with sound which i always thought was bullshit and it's like an old school thing, right? I, yeah. And I mean, I, I, I've never felt that. I've always loved, for the most part, the sound yeah. people I've worked with. And particularly with Eric. And we had a mixer who was unbelievable. And they were, yeah. we did a lot of live music on that show. They recorded live. And they did such an unbelievable job. Yeah. And it, it's just... I, it, it's a it's a great thing for the show, as you clearly. Oh know. yeah, no, it's great. It's so it's, important. We have to help them, just like they help, they help us. us. Yeah. yeah, and it's part. I mean, you know, you sit down in a theater, and it's uh, you know, it's it's half the experience. They have all these THX sound and this it's, sound. No, and Dolby I mean it sound doesn't. Like, you know, yeah. we're not watching like silent films with a piano player, and yeah. like those days, <laughs> that ship sailed. No, look, it's not a silent movie, and it's yeah. not a radio show. Yeah, right. So we need each other, and it's. 
I mean, yeah. a lot of the stuff too. I mean, I just having a lot of friends that you know work in sound, whether it's like production mixers or, or boom ops or like post you know mixers and sound designers and stuff. Like you realize these little things. Like even if you're doing something and you're like, oh, it's like that sounds gonna be totally unusable. Like it still helps. Like having a reference uh, with, have the, some, yeah, with sure. the dialogue or the sure. door slam. Or it helps the with their steps. ADR. Yeah, it helps the, the ADR least. guys. Helps the Foley team. Yeah. It helps you know all yeah, this yeah, stuff yeah. out and it all like and maybe some of maybe there's a piece that's usable or something. You know, it's um, well definitely helps never, for ADR because they know the way they set right. it, like so, intonation and stuff. At all, you yeah. know, like and you know you're there. You have you know like well, why not record it? <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, even if the camera is a four thirty five and the Ritter fan is drowning out most anything. <laughs> yeah, well, if you know they're going to need ADR. It's always good to record it, right? Yeah. yeah. But um, should we talk about sound and stuff for like another hour, or should we <laughs> should we finish because we're at like two hours and thirty minutes right now? Wow, man! <laughs> I just time, time flies when I you're just in the hot re- seat. <laughs> I just realized how long I'm like. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else? Like I no. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean. Yeah, we don't need to talk about sound. There are people that can no. school us. No, on no, that. no, 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 no. I know. I was making a joke. I actually <laughs> no. What the stuff I said, I believe. I mean, you know, I'm not bullshitting anybody. Actually, I'd love to have a mixer and a boom op in here. I'd love to have a boom op. Yeah, because they see us like nobody else does. Right, and they're watching our like every move. They're to, doing to, everything to we're like, doing. Yeah, you know, they're just uh, aiming a pole too, and they have no spotter. It's right, pretty, it's fairly interesting. Oh I, yeah. I, I should get I should get Eric out here from Chicago. Do it or go him. to Chicago. Yeah, go to Chicago. Do it. And this is you travel your oh, studio. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't mind going to Chicago. I'll tell you what. I I had about I found about only like 35 to 40 great steak places there while I was there. So. Right. I'm sure I could find something I yeah, like. You can find <laughs> you could find whiskey and steak. <laughs> yeah, I could find that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But um, That's but thanks, of... man. It's been it's been really interesting chatting. I haven't seen you. In, it's been good to catch up. We haven't been face to face in years. Yeah, I think the last time at was at one of the uh, SOC awards a couple years ago, and uh, when I was undoubtedly drunk. <laughs> but we were all like tuxedo laden, so we looked maybe more dapper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's good. Like I, I mean, you know, back in LA for a little bit here, uh, and we're talking about like moving to Atlanta and stuff, and it's sort of weird. Yeah. Being, but honestly, I feel like I'm seeing people more since the kind of relocation because like when I'm back, I'm making a point to like run into as many people as possible. Sure. And, and then I don't know, like when I was here, I was always out of town anyway. So right. it was, you know, yeah, it's a little bit of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are certain people who work in Atlanta constantly though. Yeah. Like I always see their Instagram or whatever it might be. And they're just always there. Yeah. It's funny. I I've done not that much work in Atlanta. Um, I like it. You know, strange. I know it's uh, yeah. It's a cool city. It is. It's got it's got all a great energy. There's a lot like going on there, and it's in a it's, it's in a period pretty of, progressive. It's in a period of growth. Yeah, it's a well the city itself. The city is itself is. Yeah, you get outside of the perimeter, and it's uh, you go five minutes outside, and it's not progressive. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's a pocket sort of in the, you know, in the South there, but there are a lot of those and like the, the, there's a lot of like the, I don't know, the quality of life. uh, I love the quality of life in the South. I've worked there a lot. I've worked, you know, a lot of North Carolina and South Carolina. I was going to talk to you about that, but it was Louisiana and all that. And I kind of love it. I mean, there's a sort of just, 
you know, it's a little bit like kind of more chill pace. That's kind of cool. And, and it's just a little more, it's a little more relaxed and they're like, it's just very friendly and you're on that walk right. on the street and people like genuinely say hi or, you know, or like a conversation in a coffee shop or something. And, um, I don't know. There's a certain kind of warmth and, and humanity to that. That's nice. That's, you know, that, cool. that I've enjoyed. Yeah. So. That's nice. <laughs> and now you live there and you're engaged and you'll get married and you'll have a great life there. That's good. I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just laid plans. Dude, I've had a lot of tequila. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I'll take that as well wishes. And, uh, you know, that's good. Like Brad, Brad's well it's wishes. Very, it's very, no, it's very much well wishes. But I just realized I'm just like randomly saying stuff. <laughs> so we better, we better end this wrap now. It up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but thanks. Thanks so much, Thanks man. for it having was, me. And, and honestly, like genuinely, like thanks for doing this. I oh, think it's thanks, a great. Great. I think it's just been uh, excellent and awesome, and I like. It's been I look, super fun. I look forward to hearing more of them, and I hope that awesome. it gets like a big, you know, keeps a big following or whatever. So. I I really appreciate I I, I appreciate you listening <laughs> and your kind words and everything else, man. It's really nice. That's good. Thank you very good. much. Thank you. Uh, so I guess uh, let's go drink some tequila. Uh, yeah, or, or continue as it were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. All right, my friend. Take care. <laughs> Thanks again to Matt for coming in and chatting and having a nice conversation. I think I may have found my match in the uh, in the chatty department. He can really go, can he? <laughs> but it was great. It was really good, so thanks to him, and thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And thank you very much, of course, as always, to Tiffin Steadicam and Walter Clausen FX for their continued support. And I'll be back uh, soon with more episodes. I have, I have some good ones coming, so um, at least I think they are. I think you'll enjoy them too. But thanks for listening, and uh, see you next time.